Well, then, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Damien Carroll. And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. Hello, and welcome to episode three of Real Horror Show. And I'm one of your hosts, Connor McMahon. I'm Connor Dowling. Ali Horror. And Mark Sheridan. Um, so this week we've been looking at um, directors' first films, uh, horror directors' first films, and just having a look at where they started and, you know, seeing how they where they went from there. So... Um, yeah, what did people watch? I watched a load of films. <laughs> so I I've got a bit of films this time than before. As well. Yeah, I've yeah. got a list here, but it was just because it was an interesting thing. But I think we've all found it actually a bit trickier than we expected. Where some sometimes we thought it was a director's first film, and it turned out they had a couple before it, or even I don't know, even just tracking down some of the films. Yeah, yeah uh, it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, like a couple of the real obvious ones for me are like obviously you got Romero's Night of the Living Dead, which is mm. considered a classic, and you know obviously James Cameron Piranha Two, Del Toro's Chronos, also considered a classic, <laughs> a classic in its own right. <laughs> um, but again, yeah, like actually that's a funny one because like talking about a couple of these films here where the directors don't seem to like to talk about those films, like James Cameron pretty much disowns yeah. like Piranha Two, and of course, yeah, it's not a good film, but surely anything that kind of got you going like that was your first chance maybe if he hadn't made that he wouldn't have had the other opportunities exactly. you know i mean what is interesting about piranha 2 is that you can't see james cameron's style in piranha 2 yeah like you would not know you know sometimes you see an element of what the mm. like like say spielberg's jewel is all like spielberg even says he watches jewel just to remind himself how to make a spielberg film oh, wow. you know Mm-mm. but with piranha 2 nothing Jewel actually is on my list here as well because like that is like I think you know I, people could debate whether things are horror films or thrillers or not but I think Jewel because like, it is Jaws with a truck basically yeah. um, <laughs> but like it's incredible because that's a TV movie and a few of the directors actually on the list I was looking up here have actually done like a TV movie or two before what we think of as their debut feature films but Jewel like I still think you could release it today I know obviously it, it looks a little bit more TV movie like the I mean, it was a TV movie, yeah but like you can't deny the tension the yeah in it, though. like the action scenes everything it still works like it really works and the scenes on the road with the truck behind the car like it's yeah. uh, by Richard Matheson oh yeah I Richard forgot about Matheson, that no, Legend of Hell House Legend of Hell House it all comes <laughs> back favorite, to Legend of Hell House here at Real Horror Show <laughs> uh, definitely one of my favorites anyway so what were kind of one of the standout ones that you watched Mark well, you see, you know, I, I kind of had, the, there's two groups of people for me. There's obviously, there's the older directors who we all know and love and kind of how they got started. And then there's kind of, what's slightly more interesting is the newer guys, like people on the scene, how they started. And it's kind of different, actually. I don't know whether it's because it's slightly easier to make films nowadays. The older directors that I love, even when you look at like uh, Shivers by David Cronenberg, Hellraiser, Clive Barker, yeah. you know, because those films needed much more money and effort to get them made, I think they were more polished, you know, better put together products well nowadays because we can make it for a little bit cheaper and a little rougher it's not that there isn't still really good ideas and interesting things but it's kind of a different approach they kind of seem to have one or two more indie films to get going they're more micro budget things nowadays absolutely yeah Yeah. um but yeah so like like, so those ones are great and then yeah i've got a couple of the newer kind of ones where not everyone's kind of maybe lived up to the potential of them but uh yeah it's just to avoid always just talking about the same old because we could just yeah. talk about like Cronenberg and Carpenter all day long. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the stuff I watched was new stuff mm. that, that I had seen. See, I I was originally going to go with um some of like my like old 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 favorite directors like Todd Browning and William Castle, and uh, I decided not to. I was going to go actually with James Wan originally. James James Wan. <laughs> Sorry, that's my James Irish Young accent Wan. going like <laughs> in all sorts of bonkers direction. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely. I think it is easier to be- because you're more of a genre based 
director, I think in this day and age, you can carve yourself a niche easier. What is James Wan's first film? Because I think I looked that up, but it's then Saw. I saw. No. See, yeah, it's His first Stygian. Stygian is what? actually I know, and I, I was on a hunt to try and find it, but this is one of those ones again, though, where he doesn't. I I think he describes it as a college film he co-directed with yeah. someone else. So I don't think he, in the same way, the four was a four wedding. Or what was the one with Quentin Tarantino? Four, four rooms. rooms. <laughs> 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 That'd be a good Tarantino film. But you know, like, yeah, it's kind of direction after that. Yeah, it's not really. He doesn't own it as his own, but yeah. So technically, there is one out there, but I don't really? think you can get it. It's um, like, wow, it's like these directors you know have, you know, what what's what's shown as their first film on IMDb is just going to be up there because that's the earliest thing chronologically in their career. But it's almost as if they uh, see them as like a practice film or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because Spielberg actually did two features before Joe. Mm. Yeah, actually, really? I saw yeah. that as well. Um, I've seen one of them. It's, I don't know if you have the name of it, but it's a haunted house film. There's another one he did after Jewel, apparently called Something Evil that I'm That's looking forward to I'm seeing. About, yeah. Evil. I thought that was before Jewel. But according to IMDb, it wasn't, but I wouldn't okay. trust that. So, okay. you know, because um, I actually, I have that to watch at home. Is that good? Do you remember? It's, I mean, it is, again, it's got a, a lot of classic Spielberg moments in him. There's a reason probably it's not well known. It's, <clears> you know, it's, it's again, it's TV movie-ish. It's him doing his best with a TV movie. So yeah. There's a lot as always with Spielberg in it, that's good. But it's very, very much like all those other Haunted House movies. Like, it doesn't really bring something Anything new, new story-wise. Even though that, isn't that kind of what Spielberg was so amazing for, though? Was it, it's just, it is that sort of flow, and just the way he approaches that material. It's so kind of visually shown, actually, in the same with Del Toro and Cronus. Like, uh, you know, it's the stories don't aren't necessarily that complicated sometimes. It's just it's beautifully told, you know, yeah. through certain kind of shots. Because it's weird, even though I suppose generally TV movies bar Jewel are kind of discounted from being someone's debut feature, you forget how many great directors, like Nick Winding Refn did two episodes of Miss Marple. Right. No way. Yeah, like, you know, it's a, <laughs> these guys, like, they, they could Ben Peatley, you know, he did plenty of stuff on Channel 4, like, uh, kind of comedy shows. It, it's, yeah, you forget yeah. that these guys all had, they've always started somewhere. You know, yeah. it, they, people very rarely just arrive on the scene with, just happens to be their first film is so well made. And actually, even though James Wan did do apparently that film beforehand, like when you look at Saw as a genuinely kind of a first film shot in 17 days, it's pretty incredible. It is. Like, and uh, for it's the close franchise to, it's close that to it perfect. inspired and the yeah. career that it kind of led to for him, it's like seriously. Well, he's kind of, yeah. you know, I don't agree with the title, but he is kind of considered the, the master of horror as far as the biz, the industry goes at the moment. I like, am a massive fan. Like he has reinvigorated the horror genre in a way because we were we were falling down that path of um, paranormal activities and, and, you know, like it was just getting repetitive and repetitive and repetitive. And then he just came out and just, gave us back like that atmosphere he gave us back that fear i mean freaking dead silence i thought yeah was, that's a creepy voice i love that i love that movie the puppet with the ventriloquist dummy yeah. or is it just a doll yeah. Yeah. Uh, jason stackhouse like, is in that jason stackhouse <laughs> freaking ryan quantin yeah and the jigsaw and, puppet turns up in, a, in the background of one of the scenes oh, yeah. Uh, Does he? yeah he's sitting in the room and they go up with all the puppets at the end he's sitting on the ground oh, over fantastic. there whoa when you I mean, said that i looked over there and just saw him on the wall Jigsaw. Oh, that's not Jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> we could have lied. We're seeing things in here. Um, no, that's a great, like, uh, Dead Silence is fantastic. It's amazing how, like, have you seen that movie Magic? Uh, with Anthony yeah. Hopkins? No. It's like it took it. Did the puppet move? Did it Did it? Was, it, was it in his was head? Was it in his head? <laughs> oh, cool. Um, it brought, it, it made Ventriloquist Dummy scary on, you know, in a, in a whole different way than Saw did, in a whole different way than what's that movie uh, Conjuring, Annabelle mm. did. 
But the Conjuring is James Wan as well, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Because, well, like, you know, for all his getting rid of repetition, he did bring us Insidious 1, 2, 3, and now 4. Uh, and Conjuring yeah. 1 yeah. and but, 2. But, but, <laughs> but again, the first And Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, one, 5, 6, 7. And Saw Legacy coming like, soon. Insidious is definitely one of my favorite horror films in the last, like, I really like years. it. I thought it was, like, exceptional. It had an idea that, like, it, it, it took... Freddy Krueger to a whole new level because now you were afraid to go to sleep in case you floated away and yeah. ended up in the further. <laughs> one of the um, things, one of the things about Insidious that I think is interesting, and I kind of had this thought when I first saw it, but I wasn't really sure how to verbalize it. But when I watched it, I was like, "This is like all of the cool things from um, from horror movies that mm-hmm. I love." You know, all just put into a nice, neat, modern package. You know, told in a really slick two-hour format, and. Um, it did have the hand clapping. It did. <laughs> no, yeah, that's because I, I would say The Conjuring might be a little bit more like that to me. Like, Insidious had a, enough of its... The way they did the jumps, I thought, were much better. They were less the cheap scares that the In third Insidious, one really fell well, into. Like, the third one because... But, like, the first one did, like, you know, the red-faced guy behind over your man's shoulder the during the daytime. Mall, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah Mall, really yeah. dark mall. It's called yeah. the Lipstick Demon. Darth well, Maul, that's way better. <laughs> Darth Maul is a controversial point of that film, isn't it? Because some people are like, oh, come on, Darth Maul, really? And some people will put down the entire film because of that, you know? It scared but me when I first saw it. it. When I, saw it, it, it I, I remember watching it in the cinema and trying to, like, get as far back into my chair as possible. You know, it's just really? trying to get away. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait for Insidious Part 4. <laughs> no, no, wait for the Redux version you know, of Insidious, you know the digitally remastered version. In the corner, and it's like, it's just a silhouette of him. In the bedroom, yeah. yeah that's a very it, scary it is, bit. It is kind of funny because like when you first see it and then you're, you're like, oh, that's that's like a really impressive silhouette. And then the second time you see it, you're like, oh, that's just a man wearing fucking raver boots. Like, it's hilarious. It's, yeah. But it's, all, it's, <laughs> it's like just the noise that he makes and the things that he does like he goes with are you, are you, are you're right though it's weird because like that's one of those scares that that genuinely got me even more so than dark mall slash lipstick man slash whatever you want to call it um like, <laughs> because i think that scare works so well uh the first time you watch it because mm-hmm. the sting doesn't come in until a couple of seconds like your eyes have a moment to adjust and realize there's a silhouette there before the audible bang comes in yeah. to make you jump yeah. and it's so much scarier because you've kind of the, when they were doing the editing, obviously, they, they've given you long enough for you to get the point of saying, wait a minute, there's someone, and then you get the bang. And I really think that's okay. Well, nowadays, the bang almost comes before you actually even yeah. cut to the yeah. next shot. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it, you, you it know, robs you of it. What I, what I thought it. was interesting, because one of the films I watched was Absentia. Oh, yeah, Mike Flanagan. Yeah, which I really like. It's very, like, and actually, just yeah. a bit of a preface. So this is Mike Flanagan, obviously, Hush and... Uh, Stephen Gerald's game for Netflix at the moment and Oculus. Yeah, um, yeah, Oculus but yeah, yeah. Absentia was his, he had actually made two features before that, I turned out, but I don't think they were ever properly released. Okay. Still Life and something else. I think I might have a note over here. Um, and Absentia, like he shot that on a Canon 5D. Right. Uh, 60 grand budget. They started off thinking they were going to do it for 10 grand and eventually it just kept growing. But he lived across the road from the tunnel they used in it and he just looked up what could he use yeah, and yeah. figured out a story around it. Like it's his girlfriend in the video. Right. And. It just, it really stands up, and doesn't featured. it? Yeah, yeah feature yeah, film. Features. Cool. It's really worth watching because, again, it's you can kind of see a, that there's a filmmaker there behind it, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like even, I mean, the very opening minute is a woman, she's taken down old posters of uh, of her husband's. The missing posters, missing yeah. Missing posters and putting up fresh ones. And do you know what I mean is when somebody can just visually, you're, you're sucked in immediately yeah. with that. And even just talking about jump scares, what I what I thought was great about this is uh, a lot of the jump scares were sometimes during the daytime 
and also without any noise or yeah. bangs or anything. And it was literally just this creepy thing in a corner that you right. just see. And um, yeah, just it was, uh, it was, I thought it was a very cool film. Yeah. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's like, there's nothing, even all the scares and everything in it, it's not like there's anything that hasn't been done before. Like it is a bathroom with the, the sheet pulled across, whatever, the shower curtain pulled across. It's, you know, someone looking out the window when you come down at night and you approach them. But, and, there's nothing that flash about the way they're done, but they work and it's effective and it's, it is genuinely tense. Like it is a slower paced film. It definitely takes its time, but like, I don't know. It just, when you look at so much independent things, you kind of give people a lot of leeway because you're going, they didn't have much money or anything. But yeah, when you watch this, when you think, yeah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Cause I think there's a thing with horror and why it often works on a low budget. And it's something that, uh, last house on the left would have had it and mm. a lot of those early horrors and then also even new low budgets there's something about when something's on a low budget you nearly feel like the horror is more real yeah, yeah. you know you can kind of like when you see last house on the left you really think they you really fear for that girl that they would have chased her around those woods and there was no sort of proper safety but i do know it has an edge or and a rawness especially at the time when it came out you know, people were probably more used to seeing uh, studio pictures and things that were a lot more polished. Yeah. So when you see something like this, that's a bunch of people in the woods, like Last House on the Left, a bunch of people in the woods, the, even the actors themselves aren't your typical polished Hollywood stars. Yeah. They kind of look like real criminals. That's Evil right. Dead. But, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, just like, on that point with Absentia, the first thing I bought into as well is that they don't look like Hollywood exactly. actors. Exactly. Yeah. And you're instantly more you uh, you relate to them yeah yeah there's a a terrible danger in a lot of American films (laughs) 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 what it is it's a lot of American films nowadays they're just they are like soap operas you know soap opera actors they're so pretty and chiseled and like the the notion of what a handsome man or a beautiful woman are are so it's so stereotypical and defined that it's not even interesting anymore yeah in Absentia you've got like a real actress who looks like a real person she's beautiful but you get her and actually Connor and me were talking earlier on about uh, the, the House of the Devil. That's yeah, what, yeah. you know, and with your one, Jocelyn's the actress in that. But again, it's just like, she's a beautiful actress, but just real as well. And that's what's so important. Because yeah, if we don't, we're not interested in watching perfect people who have, you know, yeah. It, yeah. it has to be someone we can associate with and think is actually a human being. And you want it, well, I mean, I know certainly for myself, you want whatever's happening in the horror movie to happen to you, but not obviously for you to die or anything, but like for, for like you to feel like that could happen to you. Like when yeah. I watched The Exorcist, I like I used to be told I looked like Reagan and because I was told I looked like Reagan, I was like, oh, maybe I'll get possessed. Maybe oh, that'll be a bit of fun, you're wouldn't putting, it? You're you putting know what I mean? Yeah, it's like it's, it's you're... <laughs> It's more accessible to be possibly murdered, I guess. But, I just went into a dark place and I did not mean to go there. But, but I think, I think <laughs> well, if we can murder you. <laughs> so if you're still listening, Connor Dowling has something to say. But the way we're talking about like Absentia and how it's, you know, would you guys consider it like it's a fairly low budget film? Oh yeah, 60,000 yeah. 60, yeah. like right. we're talking. So it's, it's low budget and you get some good scares out of it, yeah? So it's this horror director's first film. And... I remember uh, reading a thing recently um, about James Wan giving some young horror directors tips. Maybe you guys have seen it on No Film School or online or somewhere. And uh, he was saying, you know, a very like, clear piece of advice to young horror directors is if you can't scare someone with no money, then you're not going to be able to scare someone with money. Okay, you know, so like so I think for the like for the likes of young filmmakers who are going out and making their shorts and making their horror first features even if they're micro budget if they're getting those scares in there they're going to be attracting the eyes of 
other collaborators, producers, actors, and I'd say, well, look what this guy or girl did with 10 grand, 20 grand, you know, in some cases, like uh, Mark here, like much, much less even, you know, uh, money. Uh, let's see what they can do with a more budget. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah no, you're, you're, you are right. That you're showing them. Yeah. I am right, according to James Warren. <laughs> <laughs> Master of heart. Master of heart. <laughs> so what, what else did any other on the list? I, I had a really interesting experience with this brief because, you know, Connor said, you know, hard directors first films. And I was kind of like, does it have to be hard? Do they have to be hard directors? Um, it is a hard podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so that's what, that's what made it does hard. It have to be, does it have to be hard? hard? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I just, you know, uh, had a look at some lists of hard directors on IMDb and said, to- Toby Hooper. Toby? To- to- yeah. Toby. Toby Hooper. I said, Toby Hooper. Or is it Tobe? Uh, <laughs> Tobe. I, that's, who, that's who it'll be. You know, Texas Chainsaw, Poltergeist, w- yeah. one of my favorite horror films. But actually, prob- Poltergeist is probably more of even an adventure movie, I think, if you give it another watch. But um, I said, what's his first film? Oh, it's something called Eggshells that I've never heard of. I was like, cool, I'll find this easily and I'll watch it. Straight away, it's like, oh, I can't seem to find it. huh? And it was like one of these, you know, like an old investigator coming out of retirement or something. So, oh, this will just be an easy case. We just need to get your advice on it. You know, five years later, I'm still trying to track down this movie. But I can't find it anywhere. I got onto Ed King, who runs the Harathon in IFI, and he said that the Blu-ray of Texas Chainsaw 2 uh, has special features and eggshells is on that. Um, that's interesting. I've yet to get it because I don't have any money. So if anyone wants to give it to me, I'm, I'm waiting for it. So that's cool. So I said I'd, I'd, I'd like a little bit of a quest trying to find a movie. But as I said to Mark earlier in the week, I also like when people just hand me the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I just did a bit of research and had a look for other horror filmmakers. So I looked at Adam Green, who did Hatchet, oh, Digging yeah. Up the Marrow. If anyone's seen that, it's a pretty cool kind of mockumentary. Um, Frozen. Frozen. Frozen, I really liked Frozen actually. Cool. I'm not a gigantic yeah. fan of the Hatchet ones, but I, yeah. Frozen I thought was very good. I thought that was a cool bottle movie. Yeah. It just all kind of takes place. I think he did something else that was kind of con- contained like that. For anyone well. who's. Frozen is the one on the chairlift, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. it's basically they get stuck up there and there's kind of. Not the that, that, yeah. And they try to jump down. Yeah. And it's how to escape. But. That scene with the wolves. Yeah. I, I, that actually really got to me. That yeah. like, that, That's like the road got to me. Because I felt that crunch <laughs> I, like him just being there and then being and it's like and then the wolves came and but again that's actually because you know when you hear those kind of concepts sometimes something as simple as but someone's stuck on a ski lift you're kind of going i'm gonna watch 90 minutes yeah. yeah of like two people sitting there and they actually they do work it pretty damn yeah. well because like that's what the, it's not just the scares and violence especially in a lower budget thing there's not going to be chock a block that yeah. so the stuff in between that conversation those characters exactly. is really important that interesting as a kind of indie film director if you can make that interesting and engaging for the 90 minutes again people are going to be interested you absolutely know, people are going to want to work with you again so uh, he also had the, has this cool tv show called holliston has anyone seen holliston no. i've not even Great heard of it horror no. comedy tv show it's <laughs> Him and his friend who run like a kind of, I think they run like a podcast or a horror TV show kind of thing. And they're broke ass horror filmmakers trying to make it. And it's kind of made like a sitcom, but it's a really like out there and crazy sitcom. And lots of horror references, lots of, you know, horror cameos, John Landis, Kane Hodder and all the, uh, these people. It's great. It's somewhat autobiographical as well. So I went to look for Adam Green's first film. It's called Coffee and Donuts. Okay. It's a comedy yeah. film. And I can't fucking find it. <laughs> <laughs> and you think in the day of video and demand and stuff nowadays, we kind of just presume Absolutely. everything's at our fingertips Literally. if we want to, like, because yeah. uh, it's not like the days where things would just disappear. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so is this another case? It's another case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right? So, you so a lot of work from this podcast. <laughs> I, deci- I decided. I decided to have a bit of a look uh, over to the east. 
uh, an excellent horror director, Takeshi Miike. Okay. Right? Audition, Itchy the Killer. Oh. He's made like 30 films though, oh hasn't he? Like, he has crazy. 100. Yeah. <laughs> he has 100 directing credits on it. Oh my God. And his first film. Yes, tell us. Is called, I don't want to offend anyone with my pronunciation, but his first film is called Topu Mini Pato <laughs> Tai Ayachi Jan Kushan. And it's, right? It's We'd like, like to apologize to all people. <laughs> yes. of I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just reading it phonetically, right? But it's a comedy about a daring policewoman in leotards <laughs> who defeats criminals using gymnastics. That's the actual blurb on IMDb. Sounds like one of his down-to-earth ones. <laughs> so as I was going through his list of films and just staggering at the, the, the amount of quality and quantity in there, a lot of quantity. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> bit of quality, though. There's I, some serious quality I in there. I found As the Gods Will, which I've never seen before. Has anyone seen As the Gods no, Will? No, I haven't seen that one. Have you heard about it? No. 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 Oh, no. man. It's, it's, it's not his most recent film because he made it in 2014, and I think he's made about 35 films <laughs> since then. <laughs> um, but basically, it's kind of like a weird, weird battle royale thing where it's this classroom full of students. It starts like the, it has like the most intense opening for a film. The opening for a film is like the last scene of a film, basically. Um, and it's all these students standing in the classroom and there's this weird like Asian uh, porcelain head that's like CGI with a mouth that talks and he's sitting at the top of the room and every time he, he he's facing away from the students and he has a button on his back. So the students need to press his button before he turns around. But when he turns around, he makes them explode <laughs> and like makes their head explode and all these like red balls come off him. And it's this big weird gaming film it's all about gaming and there's a big giant cat and it's crazy you like gotta one check of those it out mushy cats with the arms yes exactly one of those it's a gigantic and it uh it has them all dressed up as mice and it starts crushing them and eating them i've got a question yes why would they press the button if his head would turn around and they'd blow up? No, they have to turn. They have to press the button on his back before he turns around. So it's like where's wolf? It's like where the it's wolf, like the, the wolf game. What's this called again? <laughs> yeah, you, you, <laughs> I can't pronounce it again. You got to see it. Takeshi Miike's film from 2014. It's called As the Gods Will. As the Gods Will. Yeah, okay, it's really damn cool. But you know, so I did have a hard time looking for um, directors' first films. I also. Uh, like a lot sounds of sounds t- like a really long excuse for. What <laughs> <laughs> He's just described a film in the later yeah. part of someone's career. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no. But I, I also, you know, one of the things I found was that I had seen, I had seen a lot of like the good directors, like first films, like I'd yeah. seen Duel, I'd seen Last House on the Left, Wes Craven, I'd seen obviously Night of the Living Dead, and I was kind of blown away, going, "Holy shit, that was George Romero's first film! What a legacy!" Um. But one of the things that got me thinking was, you know, like we've, I suppose we've kind of touched on it already about how like this, these first films are these directors, uh, almost their practice films. It's the film that they just, you know, threw all of their extra cash into at the time, probably, and made uh, on a shoestring budget. And maybe once they kind of had gotten that out of the way, they wanted to maybe start fresh and say, actually, this cool movie is my first film. You know, this this mm-hmm. one that I'm a little more proud of. And it got me thinking about a podcast I'd heard with Edgar Wright, who made Shaun of the Dead, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, Stiff uh, Little... A Fistful Fist of fingers, fingers was his first film. It was a Western. And you can hear him and Kevin Smith talking about it on a podcast that's on YouTube. And he talks about how the first film he made was a Western. And um, he put, like, everything he had into it. And he made it. And, like, his first assembly cut of the film was, like, 65 minutes long. And he was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know? But <laughs> um, he tells some good stories about it. And he says at the same time he heard that Kevin Smith had just... Uh, you know uh, come out with clerks you know a, a, a story about two guys working in a convenience store made for like 10 grand that it sold around the world and he's as at the time he just remembers thinking 
fuck, why did I make a stupid Western? <laughs> um, you know, like it's such a, it would have been so smarter to make something so small budget. And on a podcast, he was asked, oh, would you ever release a Fistful of Fingers on one of your special features on a DVD or something? He's like, no, I don't want people to see it. You know, so there is kind of something to that. I think that if the directors really wanted people to see their films, I could be wrong, but, you know, if they really want to see them, maybe they have a bit more of a push to say, hey, see my first film. Yeah, well, I think Cronenberg on his Arrow uh, Blu-ray, I think, have released Cronenberg's first two films that came out before Shiver's Stereo and Crimes of the Future or something like that. Again, kind of not completely full films, I kind of think 60, 70 minutes. And I think he himself would hold his hands up and say, you know, not his greatest works, but I guess, yeah, yeah. there's that curiosity for a lot of kind of film people. Of so yeah. I suppose on that level, it is just, I, maybe there isn't really the demand <clears throat> there from normal but people for, for this I definitely feel your pain in in like you have this idea of your you know your horror director and then you mm. look at to their to their first and it's comedy or it's a freaking western or it's, it's a freaking boring thriller and you're like oh. <laughs> and it, you can't pick it because mm. you're like oh, god damn yeah, it yeah. why why didn't you start out in horror what did you watch, Ellie? I watched Kronos. Mm. Um, Kronos. I don't, however you want to pronounce it. It's Kronos. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's Kronos. debut feature. Uh, I'm, I'm a massive uh, Guillermo del Toro. I can pronounce his oh, name. Oh, very good. Uh, fan. Um, I, I loved it. I remember this. Uh, I, we had this on VHS um, as, uh, as a kid. And um, I just remember that uh, the golden like mm, thing the on, the, on, but it was on the girl's neck, it wasn't on the guy's neck. Oh, which, the cover, in, the yeah. cover, yeah. yeah. I have the DVD as well. Yeah. Um, oh, the DVD. I, st- <laughs> I, I literally haven't moved on from VHS. Sorry, lab. I'm so late. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I loved it actually, and I, 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 I well, I'll just keep talking. Um, yeah, for um, for first feature, it was it's it's like what we were talking about with James Wan like with Saw it's polished it's yeah. freaking amazing like I, you're looking at that and you're like I actually was comparing it a lot to Peter Jackson I saw a lot of Peter Jackson like brain dead and mm. bad taste in it strangely enough just yeah. some of the camera angles and just some of the way he like he framed things and I was like Peter Jackson is an exceptional director how come he started with this and Guillermo <laughs> del Toro can start with this True. Uh, but I still love I, I do love Bad Taste and Brain Dead is oh, one of my favourite films and, like, and The Frighteners yeah, yeah. oh The Frighteners Frighten- but no yeah, brain, brain Dead is actually one of my favourite horror films I love it but you're it. right as a, as a debut film like Bad Taste is a very different type of beast like even because I suppose that's closer to Evil Dead I guess Sam Raimi's debut like, uh, it is but mad how, like, it's even rougher. Yeah, like, yeah. but it's oh, funny. It's, like, it's so rough that people now, when they think of Peter Jackson, like a lot of people wouldn't know never. that no. he began, and he's never done. I'm waiting like for the a, box set that it has like bad taste mixed with lovely bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's I like about lovely bones. Actually. Like it was kind of funny because Sam Raimi did go back to horror, you know, yeah. 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 and. It's interesting that Peter Jackson has because there was talk about bad taste too for a while. Yeah, but uh, but I remember seeing I saw bad taste on a double bill with a Northern Irish horror film called The Eliminator, which is not available anywhere, which was basically about, it was like a Irish Evil Dead, which was back in, this is in the 90s, like 97. It was made in Northern Ireland. And somebody read the Book of the Dead and St. Patrick came back to, to dispel the zombies. Amazing. It was like <laughs> that sounds whopper. Like I remember, and he said at the time, his influence was Bad Taste. And I saw it in the IFI. And like literally that was one of the films of just go because like from there then I went to Evil Dead 2. Mm. But um, yeah, seeing that first Peter Jackson was just incredible because he was a model maker at the time, Peter Jackson as well. So all those ladder effects. Oh, but even, can we just talk about, and then we'll talk about Crown yeah, we'll Scan. That, that, 
that moment, remember when they were up on like what do you call it, like it, the hill crest? Mm. And there's that dummy that the, the dummy that falls down the mountain because it's supposed to be your <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And it's Derek. the wor- it's the worst looking thing in the world. And yeah. you're like, come on, like you're you're like this is your job. You could have put a little bit more effort into a realistic looking man rolling down a hill to die. Like me and, and just me and my mate, me and my friends made a film when we were teenagers and. You know, we were just like basically pulling from everything we had seen. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we were really influenced by was bad taste. And there was a scene in our film that we just copied the line from um, Bad Taste where uh, I think they pulled they pulled the, the, the alien zombie apart and someone goes, geez, they come to bits easy. <laughs> and we just put that line in our film because it was like, why wouldn't you use that line? <laughs> but, uh, but like, Connor, when you saw Bad Taste and Raiden that, was Peter Jackson already Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson? Oh, no, no. This really? is, no, no. It, like, at the time, it was... I mean, this is pre-2000. This is, like, yeah. 1998. So, oh, wow. Okay, right. Okay. So, we literally... I knew him as a horror director. That was yeah. the weird thing. Yeah, because, like, when Lord of the Rings came out, most people hadn't heard of people, <clears throat> Peter Jackson. You're kind of going, yeah, brain dead. And they're like, what? And, you know, upside-down lawnmower, walking down a hot corridor. And, yeah. you know, no one got it. But, yeah, like, for horror fans, this yeah. guy had already proven his weight. And it, <laughs> yeah, it, was such a, it was such a crazy, like... Okay, so this guy did Bad Taste and all of these big, crazy world-taking-over blockbuster Lord of the Rings movies. Like, It just seemed like, how do you go from that to that? Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. didn't find out until years and years later that he did The Frighteners, which was one of my favorite oh, movies yeah. growing that up. Movie. Like, I mean, I love that movie I love so it. Much. It's great. I'm so happy, though, that he, he I'd made... I'd love to see him do he, more he's, stuff he's like that, He started there. I'd love to see him go back smaller. <laughs> like, just not everything has to be three hours long. Well, okay, okay, okay. Lord, oh, well, we're, we seem to be hating on Lord of the Rings right now. I'm this hating not, all over it. This is not happening. <laughs> and this, I can I can no. actually give you a bit of Guillermo del Toro hate as well, to be okay, well... Because I think Kronos and Pan's Labyrinth are Guillermo del Toro's Best films. Don't say anything against Blade Two. Only two good films. Oh, wow! Well. Yeah. What, what do you think about that, guys? Discuss. <laughs> so Connor, <laughs> but no, actually, I like on that one. No, I think it's it's important because uh, you know I know it could be seen as critical to go against some of the kind of so-called legendary directors, but I do think it's important for people to be able to actually oh. speak up and say because like there's always going to be ones that like some of us will all love and other people Halloween. will hate. Yeah, well, <laughs> Alex, right here. I think Conor McMahon said I it best over afraid. beers last week. Sometimes you can be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, don't, but don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, even but with I Guillermo del Toro, like, I suppose that's No, but they're not all classics. But I, have been, I, I want to like his films, mm. you know what I mean? Because I've loved some of his other stuff. But I have been disappointed many more times yeah. than I have really, um, really enjoyed his films. Like, come on, guys, Pacific Rim. Uh, yeah, okay, well, but yeah, Pacific yeah, Rim yeah, looked yeah, yeah. Ma- like Pacific Rim was everything I always wanted to be in a film, and it was all in there, and I left very unhappy. Like, yeah. but like, there are again, there's moments of brilliancy. I guess Del Toro is that visual guy, yeah, he nails that stuff, yes. you know, and oh, that's yes. why I think Hellboy works so well for me. Um, Hellboy, you know, yes, I've, I've he, left out Hellboy, he, Hellboy he gets those worlds, and even what he brought hey, into Hellboy. Blade 2, like, yeah, 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 actually, less for me on Hellboy 2 as well, but like, it just he gets it, yeah, it's the Pan's Labyrinth, it's the world building, you know, even Devil's Pan's Labyrinth is like. The pinnacle of his yeah. career. It's like it, that, yeah. that film is. But we just actually then, Ali, going back to your thing on Kronos, yes. like, because um, what I think is interesting with that, because actually I haven't only rewatched it last night, because I'd kind of forgotten a lot about it. You you can, it, that for me is like Cronenberg when he made Shivers. You can see all these sort of themes and things that he's going to continuously go back to. There's the young girl mm-hmm. having to deal with it. It's very much about death. It's this kind of mixture between the real world and the fantasy world. You know, even just the very kind of the music is very fairy tale like and playful. Like so, for me, that's like the proper auteur director where he actually 
he kind of has always been that guy and yeah. he's just developed and expanded on that in different directions That's, that was literally one of my points is that you can see all of these little like nuggets of like the seeds starting to grow mm-hmm. and then from from there on his career has just like the trajectory of it like you can see where it all began and also you can see a lot of um i saw a lot of suspiria in that movie can't find it in my notes right now <laughs> Uh, I like there was a, I could see a lot of references. Also, there was a reference. I don't know if you refer. Have you seen Cronus? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. So twice, okay. in in your movie from the dark, did you reference uh, that moment when uh, Jesus is licking the blood off the floor? Oh, well, it's interesting. <clears throat> if I didn't, if I didn't directly, it that's the moment I remember from Cronus, and I remember because when the the trailers for the films came out. That was the clip they'd show where the okay. guy starts collecting the blood and then he, he particularly disgusting. <laughs> but it's so, so slowly and so just simple. it's just what because because I just remember when I was rewatching it there and that was the first thing that came to mind. I was like put me straight back into that set with you and you go, No, lick it slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it puts the lotion in the bathroom. <laughs> Best direction ever. <laughs> and then and then we broke our shit laughing because you were like, You're like a little kitten. <laughs> Um. So yeah. So uh, anyway, where was I? Um. There was this moment actually towards the start. This is, this is um in retrospect when I I was actually comparing it to different like other vampire films. Um. There was this moment at the start where he after he's been bitten by the thingy the first time <coughs> round, and uh, he has gone back to his wife and whatever, and she's like bandaged him up, and he's like he's he goes to the fridge and he drinks like a whole gallon of water, and he's mm. like. Oh, I'm still thirsty and he doesn't know what's happening and then he goes to the window and he's like oh I'm still hungry and thirsty and he doesn't know what's happening and then um, he starts gnawing on his like on his bandage and he starts scratching at it and it's like for the first time I ever like felt like what it might be like to be a vampire Right. like that that feeling of never being satiated of yeah. never having the thirst quench of like literally like eating yourself to try figure out what the are we allowed to swear anymore? Yes. You're okay. not. <laughs> um, but that was, Sorry, that, was, that was one of my favorite moments uh, when I was rewatching it. It was just that, like, I, I really felt like I was like, God, yeah, all those years when I was a child and I wanted to be a vampire, actually, it, it doesn't seem like all that great crack. <laughs> like, um, no, it was, it, was, it was great. I mean, it was a lot funnier, I felt, um, than what his later career has gone on to like yeah. his later films there was a lot more lightheartedness like tito the um the mortician guy who's like yeah that's pretty odd about that whole <laughs> he's yeah. probably my favorite character in it he's just so bizarre like oh i'm gonna make you beautiful oh you're a fucking dick <laughs> like he's like he's fucking hilarious um yeah no i i i mean i don't know actually because I, I don't know that that much about del toro but because just after finishing the film last night, we stuck on the commentary just for the first five minutes. Actually, it seemed like it was a pretty good one, but I hadn't realized that one? it was... Uh, no, no, it was the standard kind of DVD one that came out before. But, um, like, well, firstly, the film had a $2 million budget. And it was... it was, that was Yeah, wow. which was the biggest Mexican film ever made at that time. But I'd, I'd love to know more about how, like, as a debut filmmaker, what, what was it that made him get that opportunity to go and do it was he yeah. directing commercials or? i don't know I, like i don't get the sense that he did but no yeah. that, that was one thing that i taught to myself as well because when I, like 
like I said earlier on, it is close to perfect as a feature, as a mm. first feature, excuse me. And um, so atmospheric. It's really atmospheric. It is. It's super 90s. It's a real, there's it's a real feeling of like, you know, like I saw it so long ago, but I just remember kind of the feeling of watching it and just like certain scenes, like visuals from it. You know, I probably couldn't tell you the exact story from beginning to end, but I remember it just. There's not it, a gigantic amount. It's, not, it's, 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 it's just him kind of going simple. around, just yeah. deteriorating, isn't it? Like and Ron Perlman every now and then oh, well, being <laughs> aggressive and violent. But who doesn't love that? <laughs> I mean, have, have, okay, this is not horror related, but the Aristocats. Oh have yeah, you, right. Scared the I shit out of me. I was laughing me bollocks off. Because, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm, anyway, anyway, uh, in, in the Aristocats, Edgar, the waiter or the butler has this little tiny room that he sits in and then he can hear everything happening, like the madame and all talking and he like, you know, basically goes like, fuck you, madame, like you're leaving this all to the cats. Freaking Del Toro stole that for Ron Perlman in his little room when his uncle's calling down and he's like, yes, uncle, I'll be coming, you Fucking mother, fucking yes, Uncle, I'll be right there. Somewhere, somewhere, Del Toro's listening to this, going, "Yes, we finally got that reference." Uh, <laughs> Me and Ali are soulmates. Yes, my um, my highlight of the week. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen this, but it's a first featured film director. Um, and the film I think is only about three years old. Uh, called The Battery. Oh yeah, I actually only watched it the other week on Shutter. Yeah. Okay. I, I just thought it was great. It's Isn't a, it? Yeah, it's a zombie film. And the reason I'd sort of not watched it is, um, like, it had been sold kind of to me as a, a zombie comedy. Yes. And I was expecting, you know, an over-the-top gory kind of movie. Nothing wrong with them, but 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 the film is very different to that. It's Give, it's, the, give the guys the, the, the Yeah, so basically, pitch. it's about two guys who are, they play baseball, and they're not necessarily friends, but they've been sort of joined together by this zombie apocalypse. And the idea, when you meet them, they're kind of on the road, and you figure out that they're traveling because previously they were stuck up in a house for three months together with the zombies around it, and they were like, no way are we stopping in a house anymore, we're just going to keep moving. And he, he talks about a shark. You know, we're like sharks. we got to keep moving or we're going to die. That's the whole idea. And I looked it up afterwards as well. Battery is... Because I was like, what's this battery? Yeah, what's the battery mean? What is it? Because that, that did... <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, basically battery is the... A pitcher and a catcher in baseball is called ba- the battery. Ah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Because they do play catch a good bit during I the film. Sports. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the but the film, it's, it, it's got an amazing soundtrack and it's there's a lot of these really long, wide takes where the where the action just plays out. But it's really about the characters, those two guys and following them. And I don't know, but I want to do what you say, but I just thought it was great. When, when was this made, sorry? About three years. Yeah, two or three years ago, okay. I think. Yeah. Maybe, maybe three, three or four maximum. It was maximum. on at the here. Yeah, I missed it that ago. year. Because again, when it, the way it was pitched to me was like, it's kind of, it's a zombie comedy kind of thing, but there's two guys, but there isn't really, it's not really about the zombies. And, you know, I just kind of, it could be hard to tell what that is. And it's a weird one because I, I, when I watch these indie films where it's a horror film, but with very little of the horror side, usually I feel that's kind of cheating. But in this one, it's not because actually these guys are just interesting and it, I'd rather watch that. And when the zombies become part of the story and they're always kind of there in the background, it like it has a much bigger effect. And you're right, because it, it's these wide angle shots certainly easier to make than a traditional kind of horror film because they're mostly sort of almost one-shot scenes where the actors kind of move in and out of shots yeah. and everything. And they apparently quite improvised as well, actually. Yeah, the film, it was made for about 16 grand as yeah. well. That's wow. what, um, 
Uh, and yeah, one of the major plots is like one of the guys you realize has never killed a zombie. Yes. And it becomes this thing where, you know, you gotta, you gotta yeah, kill yeah. a zombie, you know? <laughs> I, don't, do, I don't think we want to spoil what goes, yeah, but like, yeah, if yeah. it is, there's, there's, there's a very humor that builds to a moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but no, it really is worth watching. And you do care about the guys. And it's that odd thing. And it, uh, the interesting idea of just because you're stuck together doesn't mean you're going to like each other. Yeah. And also those challenges of, not wanting to go your own way because you're afraid, but also finding it very difficult. And just how you grate on each other's nerves over time, you know? Yeah, because I, I think they kind of realize, yeah, like probably in normal life, they would have gone their separate ways, but they know they'll survive better as a team. And they're a little afraid. There is almost kind of a fear, though, of, of, of separating as well, just because it's an unknown thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the actor, Jeremy Gardner, I think is his name. Uh, he, he's the director. He's the actor as well. He's the beardy it? guy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. So this was the director's first film and have yeah. done anything else since? He's done one film since. Um, it's called What's the director's Ted, name? Uh, Jeremy Gardner. Jeremy Gardner, okay. Um, he's done one film since, which uh, I think was again made for about 10 grand. Um, I just checked with IMDb. Because like, I, I, I was curious what he mm. went on to next. I think he's an actor as well. So he has appeared in other people's films right. like as an actor but um yeah i'm not sure i mean i'm sure he'll do something next i mean it, it's just a very very good film it's an interesting one though because like i yeah i think it's a really successful film actually and definitely again you'll find it on places like Shudder or maybe netflix I'm, I'm not sure um but really worth watching but i think someone told me that while it got loads of praise at the festivals and everything didn't do great commercially simply because it is actually you know just a really good film about two guys having problems and it doesn't have those kind of because we kind of live in a world nowadays where you need the shot for Fangoria you need more gore shots you need to have you know yeah. and that's kind of it's a pity but then I, I do wonder like I would love to see him go on and do more films but there is a chance that he's not going to get a chance at bigger budgets because there isn't that kind of return to make those kind of films yeah, yeah. which is sad because it's actually really good you know it's lower key but yeah. I would rather watch that than a real cheap cheesy gory film yeah, yeah, you know yeah. There was another horror director who I looked at um, and just on kind of on the theme of directors who created almost a legacy with their first feature, which makes you kind of jealous. Um, Tom Holland. Uh, you know Tom Holland? He directed the original Fright Night. Yeah, Child's Play. And ch- went on to do Child's Play. He wrote but Psycho 2. Before, I was going to say, before he yeah. did Fright Night, he wrote Class of 1984, which is called Classic, and Psycho 2. Um, then, yeah, so then he did Fright Night went on to direct Child's Play, which is another classic franchise yeah. uh, launcher. Um, also made The Langoliers. Langoliers! There's like two or three films that just, it always comes back to. Yeah. <laughs> he also did, he also did another film that I have a soft spot for. It's probably a bit of a guilty pleasure. I don't know what you guys think. The Thinner? Have you guys seen Thinner? Yeah, it's okay. Like the book. Like the, the book, film, yeah. not so much. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, see, I think I saw the film first when I was, probably maybe 12 and I was like oh this is cool and then I read the book and I was like okay this is much better haven't seen it who since who wrote the book? Stephen, Stephen King, King. Stephen King. Okay. well under Richard, Richard Bachman yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. but then uh, uh, yeah so I don't know and he has something else coming out actually next year called Rock Paper Dead Oh, amazing <laughs> he's only back I don't know was it, was it health issues or something there was something that actually took him out of the picture for a while and it really yeah, like he, he's been wanting to make films for a long time and it's just you hear about these guys who can't get back on. It's like, I don't know if anyone listens to the Shockwaves podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. Your man who directed The Night Flyers, another Stephen yeah. King kind of one, but like it took him 17 or 18 years to get his next. And he, but he had nearly had about four or five films made in that time, Text Chainsaw Massacre remake. He virtually had and a few others. And you kind of forget that there could be people who have actually been working nonstop. It's not like he stopped making films, 
but just stuff falling through or just bad yeah. timing and unfortunate moments and then suddenly it's 18 years of your life you haven't made a film in like that yeah. scares me as a filmmaker yeah. Yeah. that's the whole moss in the stone situation <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get that moss on the stone but like I mean you know if I came out of a career with Fright Night and Child's Play under my belt they'd be pretty happy you know? oh yeah. absolutely probably pretty rich yeah. as well but also happy. but see no I don't know that's like when you know everyone says to John Carpenter now how much they love the thing and he's like yeah what the fuck good does that do me like it's just people didn't at the time people it was a disaster like thing yeah. you know and I don't know that those like obviously they do okay but I don't think the returns are probably anywhere near as good as we imagine they yeah. are unless you're a producer and so, but I, I, you know I, I don't but you'd get the money off merchandising and marketing Chucky. but for Child's Play Chucky okay there is still like, and all the, the dolls re- all and stuff the, yeah. the remakes but I wonder if Don Mancini has that much more than Tom Hanks he created the character true actually um, but John even John yeah. Carpenter about the thing he said when he made that he was like I've done it I've made a really solid good horror yeah. film with great uh, action and drama in it and people didn't buy into it people were like no I don't get it it was a few years until people liked it and of course it's a classic now yeah. like, I'd love to believe if I saw it at the time I would have said that's a brilliant film but you, you just you <laughs> wonder that you know because like people oh, are in different weird. places I think, I think you would have <laughs> I would I, hope so. I think you would. Have. It's just you know it's so easy in retrospect to say I would have known it's, that you know but, like because we are the we are the target audience for that film. But it was back then the like it's, we're talking about the marketplace. We're talking about what like, was popular. The, the, back the main then. audience exactly. They were not interested in Super Daddy fucking like set, we, set in the middle creature of, features. Yeah. Do you think whatever. the gore then like say in something like the thing would have been as extreme as us watching something like Martyrs now? Like was it that? level of that's a whole to new level yeah I, like is in for well, for the, the for the viewers then like the shock of the level of violence and the impressiveness of the effects like that sort of because it is incredibly yeah, graphic yeah. and gory still yeah. to this day but you know if you weren't quite as prepared for it I would say yeah yeah I it's, it's, like, it's like when we go back to like Nosferatu and people actually thinking that Max Shrek was freaking vampire like it's 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 when you haven't seen anything before you know, you're going to buy into it. You're going to believe it. When the train came towards the screen, people thought they were going <laughs> to die. It's that kind of thing. You, you, It's the unknown. But I do think that that movie, we would have loved that movie. We don't like that movie just because... Oh, oh no, not nostalgic sense. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to like that movie. Because I don't like Halloween. Well, it's brilliantly acted. So, yeah, well, okay. So moving on from Ali's... Another, Sorry, Connor. I mean, Halloween's okay. Another okay. director who I like. Uh, who have I, you seen their first film? <laughs> I have. I, see, I have. I've seen all, most of these people's first films. Uh, well, actually, just a, a quick side note. Uh, another, another director, uh, John Landis, of course, American yeah. Werewolf other films was that his first film no no no, no. Yeah. Uh, his first film was a film called Schlock S-C-H-L-O-C-K oh, uh, have, has anyone seen it no it's about a banana killer who terrorises a town <laughs> that's what it says on IMDb and I couldn't find it um, so it's I'm really on, hard I'm on the <laughs> I always find my man. I always find my man. I never find him. Anyone know Steve Miner's first film? Uh, it's the guy who did Friday the 13th Part 2. Oh, wow. I'm very impressed. And also directed Halloween H2O yes. later on. Yes, he did. This guy I is... And he did sometimes, but yeah, no, like, because re- I... Part two and part three of Friday the Thirteenth. Part yeah. three, exactly. And um, he doesn't write his films. He doesn't have any. Well, according to IMDb, he doesn't have the writing credits. Right. Don't know how you know involved he is in rewriting. I really like part two. I think part two is the strongest. Well, part two for me. is the Jason one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Part two is the Baghead Jason. Is 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 it, it Baghead or Hockey Mask? I can't remember. No, Hockey Mask came in the third one. Okay, yeah, but that was him too. So he did. He was the first. Oh, he br- he created Mask the Jason. icon of Jason. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> but I got kind of jealous when I was looking at his uh, filmography again because. Uh, aside from the horror stuff he's done, he also did Forever Young, 
which is, as we all know, <laughs> the best Mel Gibson film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> and he directed The Wonder Years, My Father the Hero, and Big Bully. Wow. If anyone saw Big Bully with Tom Arnold and uh, Rick Moranis, which was just... it's His film was just... His, his career was basically all of the 90s comedy films there. Uh, and he did a remake of Day of the Dead in 2000. Oh, that was the one I looked at. That, that was the stinker. Yeah, was that, bad, is, was that is pretty unwatchable. Yeah. Um, the, the re- oh, Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead remake. Right. Not Dawn, yeah. Um, which being that Zack Schneider's first film. Yeah. What did Dawn people think of Halloween H2O when it first came out? I'm going to go on record and say I actually quite like H2O. I think it is one of the better sequels. Mm-hmm. But that, I, like, I do love the Halloween franchise. But, it, you know, it did like what Rocky Six did and a few others. They kind of jettisoned the in-between films. And, yeah, brought Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis back. And they did yeah. pretty good justice it was, to it, I thought. It was Scream mixed with, with Michael Myers. It was a, it, it, a silly name. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's I, an incredibly I, yeah. stupid name. I mean, water. I, <laughs> I have to say, at the time, I did think that was a cool name. But yeah, because it, like, it is oh, yeah, still H2O, said H2O. Stay sober, but it's stay no, sober no on Halloween. It's given us H20, a message. Uh, but you see, I, the only sad thing about H2O is it, whether you liked it as a film or not, it, it would have been a good and strong ending for the franchise and like as a I fan agree. I was excited that Resurrection was coming along and who didn't want to see Buster Rhymes fight Michael oh, Myers the, with Kung Fu the start, <laughs> the start okay spoilers for Halloween Resurrection right? but you deserve uh, it's spoilers a, it's a great start because it's like how on earth have they brought this franchise back exactly <laughs> right so first of all they go and kill off Jamie Lee you never kill off Jamie Lee well Curtis. they had to they, they, she wasn't coming back because <laughs> yeah, exactly. 7 was meant to be the last one right so <laughs> at the start of Halloween the film where Jamie Lee Curtis never dies they're just like Halloween Resurrection they're like okay so we're going to kill her <laughs> and then at the end of Halloween H2O we see her ultimately chop off Michael head with his an axe yeah. which is what Fans have been saying for years, just cut his head off. Just yeah. cut his head off and take it away so it won't reattach. And it's and conclusive. Like, this is not <laughs> like a maybe. Like, it won't, it won't it's just crazy. crawl back over there. As we know from Ali, he's not supernatural. He's not supernatural. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you. Exactly. He just can handle multiple stab wounds. What do you see? Because all of his organs are probably just in his head inside the mask. That's the mask. No, Ali, he's mocking you. He's not with you. Um, I'm not with you. I'm I also, <laughs> he's, I also... he's so evil that he transcends, like. Uh, exactly. Thanks very much. Human. Uh, Actually, does this not prove? Because he does come back. Does it, has he ever come back after the head chopping? He did. Eight. No, but. No, but. Well, no. Well, no, he here's doesn't. The trick. Okay, it's the so genius. It was a cheap <laughs> trick in Halloween Resurrection. So at the end of Halloween uh, H2O, we see Jamie Lee Curtis chop off his head with an axe. We're great. Okay, happy with that. He's gone. It's over. But we want to make some more money, so we're going to make another movie. It's called Halloween Resurrection. So how do they do it, Connor? So how do we do it? So uh, (laughs) we see a flashback at the start of H2O. We see a bloody flashback Uh to instead of it being Michael Myers in the mask, at the very last second, Michael Myers takes off his mask and puts it onto someone else. Someone else. Some random dude. And... uh, He's he's trapped up against a tree. There's like a, a van crashed into him and a tree or something. So he can't speak. So Jamie Lee Curtis is like, here we go. I'm going to end it once and for all. Meanwhile, there's some poor innocent guy behind the mask. She chops his head off. Michael Myers goes off and hides for a little and- while. Point proven that Sickening. Michael Myers that, is not supernatural. I don't know how you say that's a point proven. And I, I'd get into an argument with you, but we've got limited time. So I'm going to save that one. I, no, I we had a very good conversation the other day about my... And I proved to This you. is Ali talking to Conor McMahon for everyone who's listening. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Because you, you, you were up at the bar. And there'd be Ali and pointing at me. I was... Oh, shit. Oh, so what you say is... Sorry. I was Mark. Mark was at the Mark bar and she was, was speaking at to Conor But it makes me sound like... Uh, it's really hard. Okay. And Conor and I were talking about it and... I can't remember what my points were, but you but actually really went. Good. You actually went like this. Ah, 
was this not on our podcast one? <laughs> no, it was over drinks. Sorry over drinks. For, for all our listeners. We, we had a, a, a post podcast conversation last week over Craft a few beers, beers. and uh, yeah, we forgot to <laughs> disagree on things. But uh, no, I think like we will save the Halloween talk for another day. So you can hear me shouting at Ali for an hour and a half. But, but yeah, uh, I, got, I, I was... got a bit worked up there because I was so infuriated with Halloween Resurrection. Resurrection's poor. H2O I just thought it just been a good totally uh, um, uh, dishonored the entire uh, franchise by doing just the absolute ridiculous and unforgivable. So uh, I'll only give it four stars out of five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, Mark, did you watch any more? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so there was actually, no, the, you know, there's a group of four French filmmakers I'd like to have just a quick talk oh, about. Um, just worth worthy of mention, I think. So you've got, obviously, Alexander Aja, who did Switchblade Romance or Haute Tension or High Tension, depending on which country you're in. Yeah. Um, do you know, it was one that I rewatched recently. I saw it in the cinema and it actually blew me away at the time. It was one of those violent things I'd seen in, in Irish cinemas uh, I well, guess I was probably about 18 he smashes the guy's yeah. head well like in fairness the film starts with a scene where he skull fucking someone you know oh, wow. you know like you see the head you hear the moaning yeah and he throws it out the car window but I think that's actually too much and it's kind of unfortunate because it's cheesier and gorier there's a big chunk of the film about 45 minutes it's just a girl hiding in the house while this guy's going around killing and it's just really really well done um, it, there's a twist at the end which I don't like um, and I don't think it's necessary but when you go back and watch the film, it's just, it rattles along the whole way through, but it doesn't just rely on gore and violence. So it does use those things. And it, it's just worth watching how a tightly paced kind of thrill ride can go through. And he obviously went on to do the Hills of Eyes remake, uh, the pretty abysmal mirrors with Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Piranha <laughs> remake, which and a couple amazing. of other things. Also really good. A recent one, The Ninth Life of Louis St. Drax or something oh, like that. Kind of interesting, but kind of a fantasy thing. But it's just, wow. you know, he started off with that film. And if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, I'd say definitely go back and watch it because it was part of that French new wave of pretty violent and rough mm-hmm. and gritty films. Um, it, there's a lot of talk about it being a, a ripoff of something else, but I actually haven't seen the film that apparently rips off. Um, but so there's that one. There's the director of Martyrs, I hadn't realized, Pascal Logier, I think. Uh, he directed a film before that called House of Voices, or uh, Saint-Ange uh, is this original French title. And I actually just watched it. You can get it on YouTube, for, rent it for $2.99. Um, and it's a weird one. It's, it's produced by Christopher Gans, who did Brotherhood of the Wolf and Silent Hill. I really um, love Brotherhood of the Wolf. But yeah. so, yeah, you can kind of see his kind of visual... Silent Hill sort of influences on it. It's kind of your traditional ghosty, but a girl comes to live in an abandoned orphanage. Guess what? Maybe there's people there. But it's in, like, you know, it's kind of traditional that way. It's a little bit creepy, a little bit slow in parts, but you can see where these ideas kind of filtered onto the ones that he brought to Martyrs then, because it is, it's two girls working together, one who's kind of mentally disturbed and another one helping her. There is obviously spirits who's affecting the mentally disturbed person. They're working together against it. The third act reveal is the discovery of a big basement, a very clinical, clean basement um, with a religious matriarch who's running it. So like there's, you can see how this kind of much more standard, very kind of Americanized horror film could have led him on to actually make him martyrs. So if, you're, if you really like martyrs, worth checking out. Because um, he yeah. hasn't, I think he's only done one film since then, The Tall Man with Jessica Biel. Oh, yeah. Not great. So what was the name? Of the yeah. first uh, House of Voices is, House is the English Voices. name. They, and they filmed it in French and English at the same time. So they shot it in both languages. Uh-huh. No way. Uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, oh, and it also has Katrina McCall in it from City of the Living Dead and The Beyond and things like that. So it's nice to see kind of some of the actors again. Uh, I'd say about two years before Martyrs. So when was Martyrs? 2006, 2005? I don't know. I think it was yeah, 2004. Uh, sometime, yeah, it could be that long. God, it's getting a bit scary because I still think of them quite recent <laughs> films. Um, I'll move on quickly. Another great, very difficult French film called Inside. 
yeah. L'Anterior. Yeah, uh, the difficult, well, difficult because it's a difficult film. It's tough. Wow. Um, about a heavily pregnant woman who's home alone, and someone turns up at her door um, and basically has decided that that baby in her stomach is going to be hers, and she's ready to claim it now. Oh my goodness! Um, but it's just without getting into the the scenes in it. You know, it takes its time. Like, you know, it's tense. It doesn't just go straight into kind of violence or anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's aggressive. It's scary. And definitely not the kind of film you want to be watching with someone who is in any way pregnant or, or maybe <laughs> soon. It predict, you know, it, it builds to what a... pregnancy is in general. Yeah, it's like the I2. It's just, no. Once <laughs> a friend of mine, sorry. Once a friend of mine rang me up and she's, she was pregnant about to have a baby. And she rang me up and started giving out to me down the phone. Because she knew I would like the human centipede. She thought that that was disgusting. Just randomly. Just randomly, yeah. Totally random. Didn't even know that I would have watched the human centipede. (laughs) So she's given out to you in in advance of her unborn child because you will like a movie that her unborn wait what you're everything like, as in you're everything that's wrong with the world it's one of the, yeah when some people get really offended by those kind of things they, they the anger gets spilled into do you know who would have enjoyed that <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, feel but, the need to, to give out to them and they feel I don't, guilty I don't, for knowing un- I don't understand that that's so unfair that's like the same as being racist <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> except not racist towards human centipedes and they are not like being, being so judgmental of somebody for absolutely no reason. I'm sure there was a tint of playfulness in her. No. That was, <laughs> that was hilarious. There really wasn't. It was, she it was, was so just lashing out at you because like, she heard I about... I mean, I found it quite amusing. I thought, I, I thought the idea... It's the idea of the human centipede that is is so scary. Genuinely and, disturbing like, concept. I absolutely. love... I, I don't love the movie, and but like I love the idea. The first one's okay. Like, you know, as far as... Like, it's fine. It's okay. Are, was she right? Are you... Uh, into that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the human centipede? <laughs> or what they do. Are you into human centipede? Or to make The film. <laughs> well, um, let's start with the first one and work our way down that list. <laughs> Kevin Smith. I have to say, I saw the human centipede at Fright Fest in London and it was, I think, the first screening or the first European screening anyway. And whatever about the film, there's always a film every year that everyone's talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you can always tell the hit film by when you go to the bathroom after the movie everyone in the cubicles and whatever is all talking about a, yeah. a particular film and they're all connected as to them <laughs> <Yeah>. in the <laughs> cubicle <laughs> that was you my first there. clue that was my first clue <laughs> but you're right yeah the con- like part of that marketing thing I think Tom Six is a smart guy that way mm. I think he knows that true you know, offending people. I've yeah. never yeah. seen. I've never seen the film, and I've probably talked about it more than most movies. I've it's ever it's well worth. Like I'm saying, with yeah. all these films, right? People can say whatever they want to film, but usually it's effective yeah. when yeah. when it's affecting people like this. And I mean, that's part of pop pop culture now. Yeah. The human centipede is the second one the one where they have a human centipede that goes around. No, the world. no, yeah, see, the second one. That's it. Because for me, it's the first one is a fair horror film. film, and it's like. You know, it is. There's very disturbing ideas, even though what's in your mind is actually a lot worse than what's in the film. The film actually yeah. doesn't. There it are doesn't there are gross moments in it, but yeah, it's it's not anywhere near as explicit it's as your how, imagination is. You're thinking the when second you're one it. pushes it, for me becomes much more kind of vile and sleazy and it is, wow, it, okay. is gross. There, I heard um, that there was a scene with some sandpaper. Yes, <laughs> masturbating with sandpaper. Yeah. yeah, and then there was also another scene. Um, I don't know if it made in, it into the cut because um, this is this is what my dad and I talk about on, on a Saturday. Uh, uh, that there was. Um, what are you talking about on a Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> um, where a woman gave birth to a to a baby in a car. I can't. I, like, and the I, baby got st- came out and got stuck under the brake pedal. 
No, oh, I don't know. That's not human. I don't think it is. Uh, it could be. No, I know because there was obviously Centipede Two was the first film to be banned by the BBFC uh, in a long, long time, and there was serious scene. cuts that had to be taken to it. Yeah. As far as I know, I've seen the uncut version. But I don't quite remember, but I did only see it once. It was bothered. It does. You there's definitely there's a pregnant woman as part of it because again, this is what bothers me about Tom Six and his sort of approach to Centipede Two. It starts off with kind of a meta interesting idea of it's a fan of the first film. Yeah. And that whole oh, depravity yeah. and which is, which yeah. you know, it's, it's an interesting it's idea. Angle, yeah. Um but like he He's just he, to push it. Well he goes from the whole idea of the human centipede for anyone who doesn't know, which I'm sure anyone listening to this does know, it's it's basically three people connected together ass to mouth. If you don't um, know, you're probably Googling it. But <laughs> what what they basically <laughs> look at the Google The sad part is for Centipede too, like it's just like he sat at home and tried to think, how can I make this more controversial or more disgusting? Yeah. And so like, oh well, I'll make the last person a pregnant woman. Mm. And I'll make the guy who's doing it a pervert as well as a psycho. And that you know will will involve rape and all these other things, and I just it's it's an area of horror that I kind of find a bit sad because you can go disturbing. I really don't mind that. Like Martyrs is incredibly disturbing, mm-hmm. but I I don't like it being used as a cheap scapegoat it's, for people to get their own perverted kicks out on. And I know you yeah. could argue that about a lot of things, but yeah, there's but just it's, intent it's is also not genuine, it's, it's laziness. I feel it's Absolutely. like it, it's it's ego. It's it's like oh, I made this amazing movie that everybody's talking about. Everybody's grossed out by it. How can I gross them out more? Because I'm that amazing. Well, you're and feeding like you, what you I would call the like... lowest common denominator of horror fans. And I know that's going to upset some people, but like it's just I I that's do think there's better, certain films yeah. out there that are made for that corner, and yeah. it's not what the average horror fan. No, and I'd say I'd say there's there's horror fans out there who have probably seen Human Centipede and liked it and said, well, you know what. Yeah, I liked it, but I know it's all a bit mad. Like, you know what I mean? I know it's, oh, it's a bit of a just having a bit of a laugh. Kind of yeah, the first one is a bit I, of a laugh. Like, yeah. and and has anyone seen the Key and Peele's Human Centipede sketch? No. You know, it's so no. funny. <laughs> Basically, the premise is there's a guy sitting at a restaurant having uh, lunch with his girlfriend. His girlfriend gets up to go to the bathroom, and another guy comes over and goes, "Hey, do I know you from somewhere?" He goes, "No, I don't think we've ever met." And he goes. Were we in a human centipede together? <laughs> and then he's like, no, 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 that wasn't me. He's like, are you sure? I think you were the butt. You were the butt, weren't you? And then it's, it goes on like that. And then the other guy comes along. He's like, oh, hey, it's the, it's the mouth. It's the butt. That's hilarious. It's, it's a good sketch. Keen. I've got one last French one just Go to try it. and just to finish that part off. Um, have you guys seen Il, Them? Oh, yeah. I love this film. Really, oh, really strong yeah. film. Connor, do you want to talk about it? Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well is, this, is this the original? There was a remake, wasn't there? Yeah, well... Well, Strangers is kind of a rip-off of it, sort basically of. Basically, what happened was they were... I think they were going to make a remake. Okay. Anyway, yeah, Strangers ended up being the remake. This is yeah. the back Kind of, yeah. yeah, yeah Liv yeah, Tyler yeah. and... Awful, and awful, but. Now, it's a very, very different... I mean, Ilds, I've seen Ilds about eight or nine yeah, you're times. Me too. You, you talk about it a lot. I love it. I, I think yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. I think it's, again, it's one of those ones where it's such a simple film... Like it's you know a couple in a house basically and they're intruders and I think the the filmmakers they did a survey before they started the film and they they asked people what was the thing they were most afraid of and home invasion was was the thing that everyone ticked so they basically come up with this home invasion idea but um, I'm trying to think why it was so different I think it's it's um, it's very. It's not a found footage, but it has a very realistic the ha- Yeah, very handheld, but like yeah. in a, like a very controlled way. But yeah, that gives it, there's an immediacy to it. Yeah. That feels... Yeah, and the other thing about it is The Intruders. It was one of the first films where it started, like Eden Lake was kind of in that zone where The Intruders were like, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm giving it away by saying... You're not, I don't think, yeah. Basically local kids, it turns out, you know. Hoodies. Hoodies, basically, yeah, right. yeah. 
and there's something just terrifying about it. Wow. It's yeah. the fact that, well, I think, because, yeah, it's, again, it's a like, couple in a house, and I don't like invasion films as a traditional type thing, and, and Eel doesn't go the direction of the torture thing or anything, really. It's much more the the horror of the fear and the tension and how terrifying it is, much more than graphic violence. So there is some violence in it. Um, but, yeah, the fact that they're a very normal couple, they're real people in this house, and they kind of behave in realistic ways. But these guys are clearly playing with them. It's like the whole turning on the television, turning off. It's letting someone know you're in the house, but where are you? And feeling, you know, which is something that even Michael Myers did in Halloween, obviously a great film. Um, you know, but it, it's the, the lack of need for an immediate attack. They're, they're Halloween about the supernatural guy? That would be the supernatural guy, <laughs> Michael Myers. <laughs> but no, it, it's just because they're not in any rush. They're not looking to see, because this is the whole point. They're not trying to, to kill this couple or anything like mm-hmm. They're just there to fuck with them. Yeah. And that's right. quite scary. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it doesn't even hide the fact that it's hoodied kids. Um, really, like, there's a little bit of a reveal later on, but even there's scenes where you see, like, a hooded, a guy wearing a hood, but it's all black underneath. You don't see the face mm-hmm. there. But it doesn't kind of try and hide it or make it seem more than that. And it's still chilling. There's yeah. a, there's one or two shots that just sort of reveal someone standing behind this plastic, and it's genuinely frightening and just really, really tense. And it has that whole, what would you do? Which, again, like, House of the Devil or, um, what were we talking about earlier on? A Switchway Romance, kind of. That kind of thing of, if you're stuck in a house how do you actually realistically behave mm. and manage that moment? And it's almost told in real time as well. Yes. It's got this real time sort of, you know, the minute it kicks off, it's kind of going and it's just literally about them trying to get out of the house yeah. and get away. So this is another director's first film. It's two, it's two guys actually, David Moreau and Xavier Polo, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but it was a shot in, I think, Romania or, or Hungary. I'm not sure. So the, they're French directors and it's in French, but it's shot in a different country. And because like, she's a teacher in a different country, right. but they're, they're a French couple. But yeah, and again, one of those weird things, you look at that and I just think so much potential. And I think, yeah, they went on to do the awful eye remake in America but again that was one of the things yeah but and I love the original of that but like they were brought over because of this brilliance they did with that film and then the studio interference because that was a big thing of bringing a European director over to Hollywood they'll make this great thing they make something slightly different you're off and you know that uh, that happens they haven't made a film since I don't think occasionally you get these great um, underground (laughs) success stories of you know world cinema like I'm thinking um, well even Del Toro and Mimic yeah yeah. or Or Fincher on Alien 3 the guy who did I I can't think of the director's name but he made uh, Tropa de Lice Elite Squad the Brazilian oh yeah very intense uh, one and two the first one and the second one did you do the Robocop remake he did the Robocop remake you know so it's like they see these great films and they go let's bring this guy in it'll give us a bit of an interesting uh, style on the film and then I don't know if it's a studio situation, if there's too many cooks in the kitchen or whatever happens. Given the guy who made Elite Squad, a PG-13 Robocop remake just seems like a weird... Because Elite Squad is intense. <laughs> like, uh, if for anyone who hasn't seen uh, Elite Squad, Tropa de Lici is the Brazilian uh, name. Um, fantastic. When you mentioned their uh, home, home invasion films, you're mm. not too keen on. Mm. I just, as, as you said, I, just th- I thought of three home invasion films that I quite really liked. And one that I really think is laughably bad. But first of all, Straw Dogs, the original. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that, yeah. But I don't uh, think that's a horror. Incredible. Not necessarily. It's pro- I, I can consider that like a domestic horror thriller kind of thing. It's, it's definitely like a trailer drama. Right, okay, not cool. Not horror. It's amazing though. It's yeah, it goes pretty far in the it. final climax. I, I think it. that's yeah. where it could dip into it. The yeah. home invasion yeah. part of it. Yeah. yeah, true. I suppose it's just that home invasion sequence. But it's is probably yeah. the bit yeah. that I really remember from that film as being like. Well, the rape. 
well, yes, but the, I the questionable say, as, approach as, as, as to just it, being yeah. really like yeah. I, I remember it as being a really cool like action sequence, Dustin Hoffman kind of kicking into gear and boiling. I think for anyone who's ever felt like they've been picked on during their life, yeah. there's a real yeah, cathartic yeah. delight in when he decides that they're not getting into yeah. my house yeah. and yeah. it just whacks oh, yeah. yeah. up that bagpipe music, whatever it is, to full yeah. volume, yeah. and just that anger because it, it, that yeah. it is that the whole film bubbles and bubbles, yeah. and that moment just for 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 all of us, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's like that snap. <laughs> another one, uh, another two from very recently. You're next. Oh yeah, love Adam Wingard. Yeah, uh, actually tried to find like his first film. I did not like. That. I think I texted you afterwards. I love your next. Was like, that was oh. that's one of my favorite over the last kind of no. couple of years. That was really good. Cool. So did not like about it. What did I not like about it? Oh, the was it the fact they weren't supernatural? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You wanted them to be supernatural, but, 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 it's, but this I, could really I, happen, like it, you were saying before. Yeah, no, I know, but like it's, it's, it's. I, I it was just nice to see I, it turned on its head. No, like the, having a, a girl who can actually manage herself and actually. It's 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 just the idea of like I don't want to sit down and watch a movie of people like invade my home. Like yeah. I, I, it's just I don't have. It's, that, it's, that I just don't have time with you for it. It's it's like it's the same way I am with um with certain thrillers, like certain crime thrillers. I'm like oh Jesus it's like gonna be political I don't wanna sit down and like I wanna escape I don't really wanna see people invade my home that it's not scary though, that bit though when the, someone tries to run out the door and they get the piano string <laughs> okay head. that yeah oh my god there's, I laughed there, so there, hard there is some good stuff but ultimately I I just found it was to be honest it was just a lot of screaming right it's like, do you think Jesus. like I'm trying like I've seen it a couple of times but like I, I don't know yeah you're one I can't I don't know what the main girl's name is but she was really remember. strong to me yeah. I thought and it was just, and I, it, it's one of those weird things where certain films like that work only because lots of other films exist. Because yes. it was, it was a, a very clever mm-hmm. twist on something. But so yeah. you did need those tropes to exist in other films for, so it wouldn't be clever on its own right. But it just, it was enjoyable to see it. And I just thought the violence and the tension of it was handled kind of <coughs> properly. Like I like Adam Wingard. I tried to find his first film for for this thing. Actually, Bill Mosey was in it. Believe it or not, what chopped off from Texas Chainsaw Two. And obviously Otis from uh, Devil's Reject and House of yeah. Corpses if for other people. <laughs> I was going <laughs> uh, to do that. I couldn't remember. I couldn't find it. I can't, I can't remember what the name of it was. But again, yeah. one of those ones you just couldn't seem to find because he, he did A Horrible Way to Die was a sort of his bigger breakthrough one. And then he went on to Your Next, The Guest and Blair Witch. One of the uh, things, that, he did The Guest as well. Yep. Yeah. Love no it, love it. And Blair Witch. Oh, yeah. wow. There's I still three need, films I still in a row that I quite enjoyed. I quite enjoyed that. It's well worth watching. Yeah. I love the first one. I love the second Blair Witch. I don't care. I love it. Joe Burr Linger, the, the guy who directed the Metallica documentary as well, isn't it? Or did they they did and they did Lost Paradise or what, what's the one about the kids? The the true life documentary, Lost. yeah, yeah, same director. But it's like it's, it's, it's those yeah. it's that nineties grungy. Like I just love that nineties grungy feel. Like l- later on in the nineties, not like you know. Apparently, his original vision for that is better because they, they they didn't think there was enough horror in it, and so they kind of brought in the whole hospital stuff at the very beginning that you weren't meant to have any of those kind of reveals so it was meant to be a much more psychological thing but I guess they wanted it well they say they wanted it closer to the original but then obviously someone must have read the script before they gave them the money to make it the best thing about Blair Witch 2 is the DVD commentary (laughs) (laughs) it's honestly really interesting the director's very interesting yeah but the film I thought was terrible but actually sorry go on on, Connor terrible as a film and also as a part of that series. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, it killed the franchise. It, was, in it did. Yeah. It did. I agree. Like, it, it is definitely a standalone film that just happens to also involve it seems the like Blair Witch. It seems like a natural sequel. But when we're talking about f- first-time films, guys, so Blair Witch Project. So this was these guys' first films. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. think it would be fair to say, like, they haven't quite lived or they haven't replicated that kind of success mm-hmm. since. 
But they have done a few interesting films. Have people seen Lovely Molly? Yeah. No. I thought yeah. that was quite good. Now, it falls it apart a little slow. bit as it goes it's down. But again, it is a found footage, I believe. Mostly, sorry, it's, it shifts between the two, actually. But it, there's a... I don't want to give away too much about it, but there's, there's that question of whether it is someone having a mental breakdown yeah. or whether there is something Which after her. And it actually works very well because yeah. a good lead actress, again, a lot of these films really hang on those lead performances and whether they work or not. But of the later stuff those guys did, I can't remember which one. I think it was Daniel Merrick who did it, but don't quote me too much on that. Because uh, it was the other Eduardo Sanchez, I think. Yeah. Um, but that, that's one worth checking out. That's again a, yeah. on Shudder and Netflix, I think. And the other one is a bit of fun is Exists, the found footage Bigfoot film. What's it called? Oh, yeah. It's a bit of a laugh. It exists. Um, it's, like, it's like in the vein of Troll and all that. Well, yeah, they've like, got a lot of GoPros and a lot a, of stuff going on. It's not the Bobcat Goldthwait one, no? No, that's no, that's uh, Legend of Boggy Creek. No. Uh, that's oh, Willow. the greatest name I've ever heard. No, that's the original. <laughs> that's the original Bigfoot film. Boggy Creek, too. Yeah. Which, that, and <laughs> it's amazing. Can I say, before we go on, The Legend of Boggy Creek, one of the most successful independent films of all time, made really? for 100 grand and made brought in something like 80 million. Wow. I've uh, just came out at the time in the 70s it's based on true life accounts so it's people basically people retelling their story and in really Ireland, poor actors it? no in well, America um, no it, but, I mean it's not a good no film. it's not oh, a good film I gotta write it down it, not watch it is interesting because like they just basically restate so it's like watching like crime watchers or someone <laughs> like redoing like and then I looked out the window and so I, how but is it so successful it just it hit at a time that there was all this talk because it's the, the fuck or something it's not Sasquatch there's another kind of folklore creature in America that it is but um, the New Jersey the Chupacabra no, no it's, it's the fuck or something I think fuck <laughs> no I know it's good, I'm pretty sure it is F-A-U-K-E I think damn you fuck um, but it, it's just one of those and there's there's a lot of films like that in history that they just hit at a time where there was no other films out there about that topic yeah. people believed or were you know a bit more into those notions yeah. at the time and there was just that rush of excitement of oh you're going to see the film about Bigfoot or whatever it is mm. so you know you, you got to respect for what it is but yeah no it's not a particularly so, good film but Exists is not a particularly good film either but it is good fun and you know without being a spoiler Bigfoot does turn up so for people who hated Blair Witch because there was mm-hmm. no witch in it in Exists Bigfoot does turn up towards the end and it's a bit of fun you know like uh, but so, that was the best part about the Blair Witch though. oh I totally for me absolutely, absolutely. Like, but I know a lot of people took against it for that reason really oh yeah what, lots of people hate Blair Witch <laughs> what like, I think the Blair Witch the first one yeah there's oh, that's a, only because they think the girl's annoying she and I didn't find that either though I, I didn't know Blair, not at all the Blair Witch is a masterclass in viral marketing Oh yeah, like but I mean, still because everyone that. talks and I do agree with that. But I don't think like their marketing was very clever. But I still think the film stands up without that. It does. I, I, I agree. No, I do agree. It but does. it wouldn't have gotten such a wide audience, such a far reach for such a micro budget affair if it didn't have so much uh, created mythology around it. Like they created so. Like I remember watching documentaries on TV at the time. Well, they made another one. Yeah, the legend a local of Blair Witch. Blair Witch yeah. uh, a legend in every town in America and all this stuff. And that was all fabricated. Like, yeah. You know, well, that, originally that was meant to be spliced in with the original film because it was going to be like the last broadcast where it was a mixture of these talking heads yeah. and this footage, but they just jettisoned it all. And I think that's so much better because even though it is, it's lovely to hear those backstories and actually even more interesting when you love the film to be able to dig into that later on. Mm. But I think the film holds because you don't really even know. It, it's so unapologetic and we live in a world where everyone wants to explain everything. Like mm-hmm. even when you're writing a script, you know, the notes you kind of get is like, well, we can't have a creature unless we know where was he born? 
why what did his dad Absolutely. do you know like yeah, yeah. it's how how does how do his powers work and like why are they i don't think left to the imagination why, why was bazuzu so angry you know like <laughs> but Blair, just to, to keep talking about Blair Witch for a minute, like I mean, you mentioned about Legend of Boggy Creek being one of the most successful uh, independent films in time. Yeah, was Blair Witch is Blair Witch the most successful? It was by far. When it, I remember it hearing came they out. made it for like thirty grand and they made like fifty million or something like that at the, the time. It was made for I think even less than thirty grand, supposedly. But again, this is one of those things because I remember when we were making Chrome Wood, I was talking to my sound guys about it to try and figure out. How they did because they shot that film so roughly and they didn't plan for it to be anywhere near as big as this. Yeah, yeah. So actually, there was nearly nine hundred grand worth of repair work done on right. the audio and stuff and ADR to try and make that film releasable. Yes, yes. Do you yes, know what I mean? So it's not that kind. Of, I think that was the danger for a lot of people afterwards who thought, "Oh, I literally can just run out there yeah. and with the, you don't have to worry about that stuff." There was a major cost in the background, and the same Paranormal Nowadays, Activity had, I think, nearly a quarter of a million dollars worth of work. Nowadays, done, it's probably you know? more achievable to get your film made for the small minority because yeah. the technology has advanced. But you just got to get it right the first time. What though. were they shooting on DV or something like that? One of them was the other ones. It was a dat. They recorded the sound on a dat uh, recorder, so it was perfectly good sound. And they had a sixteen millimeter camera, as the black and white footage you're seeing. Uh, okay. But the other one was a high eight, yeah, like straight well, up. Yeah. But it, then that gives you that beautiful quality that yeah. nowadays like you, you find yourself tra- trying to replicate with filters and everything like yeah. that and dirtying it up. Yeah, but uh, that um, movie's great. Yeah. I watched a couple of other things. Mm. I'll just run through them briefly. Um, so I started watching the Exorcist TV series. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So I'm four episodes in, and um, I'm really enjoying it. I have to say, um, everyone seems really positive on it. Yeah, it's like. Um, uh, what's good about it I think one of the things I'm really enjoying about it is in every episode there's one little nod to the movie because it's not ex- it's not exactly like the film like um, Gina Davis basically plays the Ellen Bernstein okay oh, how do you pronounce her Burstyn. Ellen, Ellen Burstyn, Burstyn yeah. Ellen Burstyn plays her character and so I think she's quite solid do you know what I mean mm. as that role and um, there's two there's two daughters instead of one daughter so it's not exactly and one of the priests the kind of um Max von Sydow priest, he's like Begbie from Trainspotting, like, you know. Robert Carlyle. It's not him, but it's basically like this. Um, that type of character. Yeah, and, it's and really. Can I just stop you there? There's two possessed daughters, not one. There's, oh, they upped the ante there, didn't they? Well, there's two daughters where you're not really sure in the first episode which one of them is possessed. Because kind of they're twins, them. are they? So they can do the twin thing where they can pass the... Oh, am I... They're not twins. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I was reading up but a lot about twins. What is the twins. thing the twins can do? Pass the parcel. I, have, you, have, have you heard of this? I, I was reading up a lot about it during the week for absolutely God knows what reason. Um, it's it's like there's this um all these cases of these twins that have simultaneous psychosis. So there was these um two girls a couple of years ago. They met up for a day. They were Swedish. They met up in London for a day, and they both just lost the plot at the same time so they got on a bus they started drinking like mad they got off the bus on the motorway um because they were like shit-faced the bus driver's like i I couldn't give a fuck off on the motorway they ran across the motorway like one after the other just both of them lost their marbles then they got put into a psychiatric home one of them got let out because they were like oh no she's she's normal she was just having a, a momentary psychosis while this like sister has psychosis and then this one went off and murdered someone because in this cell she was like still fucking insane so she went insane yeah. so it, there's all of these ties that twins apparently have Sounds like there's a story in there back to the film arts i called it i think i think when when did that happen ali that was a couple of years ago i think i might have heard someone recant that story on snap judgment which is a podcast i was telling you about okay. before 
It's really interesting. Yeah. There, there's like there's loads of um, there's loads of cases of it. Like you know, oh, well, obviously there's the the um, flora and fauna. They're from the Adams family. Sorry, <laughs> I can't actually remember their real names. But um, the ones talking about Wednesday and Pugsley. No, no, flora and fauna. Flora. <laughs> you talking about the, the twins who founded Rome? <laughs> the what? The twins who founded Rome. <laughs> Oh, Romulus, Romulus and, and Remus. Remus. No, no. <laughs> fauna and Flora and Fauna in in the, the Adams family. No, guys. Oh. Her name is Flora and Innocence. They're so no. You know the original. The they're in freaks. They're in freaks. Oh yes, um, absolutely. The, yeah. The conjoined twins is what I'm trying um. to say. Conjoined. Um, and they both. Um, it's the same thing. I mean, I yes, it, this is a different case because they were conjoined and. But they still had their own minds. But they both like just gave up on life and just kill, like, killed themselves. Wow! wow. Uh, so that had me noticed. How did the twins play into the Exorcist? So they're not twins. So without giving much away, but yeah, that, that, there's really nice nods I think to the original film. But not distracting. No, from... because it's just like very like for example in the second one, the girl just feels sick and she just gets sick into a toilet. But it's green. It's like pea green. Like you know, it's just this very small okay. little knot. Because um, it can be tricky handling those kind of references without yeah. pulling people out of the yeah. newer story. Like you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very much the original film. But it's like I read a book during the year head called Headful of Ghosts, which is really cool. And what that was was it was basically to some degree the Exorcist story. Okay. But it was told from the point of view of the younger daughter. So basically, there was two do- There was two. Tw- there was two sisters in the book. But the younger one was about eight. And it was told from her point of view of what it would be like to have an older sister who's been possessed and her not really understanding why her sister was crawling up the wall. Okay. And it was a really, but just that it, little shift in a point of view kind of ch- made it a different Absolutely. Thing, no, you know, it sounds thing. good. And sort of the same with this, just having very small little differences does make it a, a different type of story, you know? And obviously it's set in present day as well. So, you know, there's mobile phones and all these yeah, kind of yeah. things. So it becomes something slightly different. Set in, still set in, was it Boston? Uh, Washington, I think. Washington, Wasn't it the first time? Yeah. yeah. What's the name of the college? That, um, never mind. Ber- no, yeah. Berkeley! So it's not, not Berkeley. It's something, is it, it's not, I keep thinking Blair, but there's something, I don't know. Anyway, I, anyway, um, anyway, sorry, sorry. I, I, I have a, sometimes I'm a bit uh, apprehensive about these, you know, uh, TV shows that they turn into films because mm-hmm. a lot of them aren't great are they a cash in sometimes I find that you have their hour long episodes and each episode is like a scene from the film that we've already from seen. Dust Till Dawn from Dust Till Dawn oh. for example I had to give it up after I three did, episodes I was ten minutes into the film after three hours of the basic, TV the, 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 show it's so, awful you know, you know what did I think really nail it um, and it's in the second season now, Ash vs. Evil Dead has anyone been watching yeah, that? I know I have to I've heard a lot of good Dead. stuff about that it's, actually it's actually just it's, so good I'll it? be able to well, report no, next week it's, it's not it's it's really really bad but I freaking love it I, I think, I think it, it's amazing like it, no it is like, <laughs> Ali I'm, I'm going to start getting your phrases printed on t-shirts I love them <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I love Ash, Ash vs. Evil Dead and can I just say I need to this has been bothering me like I only got through two episodes of From Dust Till Dawn mm. and what really freaking bothered me about that movie and it's something so small the so, tv series or the movie the tv, TV series, series yeah. sorry excuse me because i love the movie is this Absolutely. a new tv series by the way I no it's on season that. three yeah uh, robert rodriguez himself remake but like yeah. it's like literally you know the opening scene of, of 
from dust on the famous scene in the yeah. the shop with the gecko yeah, brothers yeah. and stuff the that is the whole first episode yeah. yeah so that five minute sequence which was great is now an hour long and not great with less good actors yeah, yeah. it's just it's so, awful now i think it has apparently branched off into its own stuff and apparently maybe that's why it's working but i couldn't i just no couldn't. no but this 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 bothers me so i'm uh, obviously a big george clooney fan i think he's gorgeous i think Clean he's dog. great he's amazing i love him uh he's a great director as well clooney and films. but Clo- clooney has his own like you know the way like jack nicholson we all know jack nicholson's little quirks that mm-hmm. he does on screen and the same with george clooney he has all these little like like, like little yeah. ticks the freaking actor was like copying his little ticks oh they are yeah and but they're model the, the oh main actor is like they're they're model good looking guys and they have none of that rough edge no. like who would say George Clooney had the rough edge but he does him from dust till dawn and he, he does, does pretty oh, damn that well but yeah. even that tattoo like I just, that, that was something so small and it just pissed me off every single time he just moved his head in a certain way I'm like that's that's why George Clooney has his little head part pick. of the magic in, in from the original dust till dawn as well was that you kind of had George Clooney playing against type too you know he was yeah. normally yeah. the kind of handsome doctor good saving guy. lives yeah. saving yeah. lives he was I mean, but he doing was, the he opposite was. of saving he lives whatever he, that he is he never took a life he's very unhinged Danny Gasho never took a life no well good memory well he did he took a lot of vampires lives oh so vampires don't count <laughs> vampire lives matter oh. I'm so sorry I, I touched a nerve over there <laughs> <laughs> I've got a quick uh, just two other ones worth mentioning just as our, our the end of the, the, I'm so the first time director's things you watched loads of movies I worked hard on this one actually because it kind of it was interesting to me uh, I think as well because as after making the first film and, and trying to figure out how I'm going to make the second one there's a lot to be learned of yeah. watching what people are doing with money so it's kind of it, it suited yeah, me recently that, yeah. but uh, so Ty West who did House of the Devil which I love yeah. uh, though not as crazy about the Inkeeper stuff. I looked at his two first two films, uh, The Roost, uh, which was shown at the Hearthon years and years ago, which I didn't like and other people did, but I gave it a go again. Still think it's awful. <laughs> um, very, very low budget, but real cheesy. And Tom Noonan's in it again. Is it but, a better rooster? Uh, no, it's about bats, kind of, but then the people um, they buy turn into zombies. But like made for next to nothing, and it got a lot of high fives at the time because of it was made for next to nothing but I think nowadays we have stuff made for next to nothing that's much better yeah. so you know there, there was a different in time people were just impressed that he managed to make a film did you watch um, The Innkeepers have you seen that one yeah I've seen that one but he made another one after The Roost called Triggerman which is even worse okay. like it's, it's three guys go camping in the woods or they go hunting in the woods sorry and someone just randomly shoots one of them and then it's sort of a chase thing for the rest but it's so cheap and poor like obviously made for next to nothing Larry Feston and stars in it briefly um, but what's mad to me is he went from that to House of the Devil and I find that really bizarre, that step up, because for me, that's a brilliantly crafted film yeah, and written. And just, you w- honestly would not watch these films and think, I would never have looked at them and say, give that guy money. Getting, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He was getting his shit out. But it, it says to you, though, that, that you wonder how many good people, though, like where, you know, and even the way Hitchcock had a ton of films behind his back before he started making his supposed classics, like nowadays we judge everyone on that opening weekend or the success of their first film you'd wonder how many great people we've potentially missed out on Um, or how many people who have just lost the steam absolutely first two maybe three films that didn't work out just to find their groove yeah so hard it it is it was just worrying because they're they're really so poor compared to the ones and it just yeah like i don't know quite how you make it better and it it could be another podcast day to kind of talk about you know other people getting their first chances these things but like it is (laughs) It's, it's a real lesson to not completely judge people. Yeah. And I think actually the fact that Absolutely. he made two films for next to nothing probably is what you should look at and say, that's incredibly impressive. Especially and that, that's since... what gave him the drive to go on. And obviously he met people like Larry Fessenden who helped him make House of the Devil. So, you know, 
the, I guess the right people might recognize it, but we probably need to be more supportive of... Com- oh, completely. It's that ladder that we have to keep climbing. It's like we can't just push you down just because you slip up on one. Yeah, unless you, you jump the stairs in one go, there's no <laughs> point you having, you know, taking it one step at a time kind of thing. But I think it's the case of anybody that sort of made it, as it were, you can always look back and see that they, you know, no, yeah. like, well, the majority of people don't just sort of sail through. That's know? it. And I think, you know, even from like uh, studying all of these directors' first films and looking at their careers thereafter, it, it, it like Mark is saying about not judging people mm-hmm. on their first film, you can see across the board, it's not as if we've looked at all these films and say, oh, everyone got it right the first time or, oh, everyone got it right the second time. It's so, it's such a mixed bag. It seems to be different for every director. Yeah. There's your occasional george romero who made night of the living dead but then if you look at like the rest of his like career you know he did the other two in that trilogy <coughs> there weren't many more um legendary films after that they know? weren't huge hits i think martin is a great film um and i like the crazies as well but yeah i know what you mean by that like uh, but yeah but i like what i would kind of want to put out from that though is just again to the people who want to be making their own films or are afraid of it and everything it's just the not being afraid of that. Like, there's so much pressure on why are you doing that? It won't be any good. It won't be worthwhile. Even, like, say, Ty West's first films, because I, I'm pretty sure Trigger Man, you know, you, you'll find it on YouTube. Um, I don't know if he knows it's up there. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's... Even if no one sees it, even if it didn't get into any festivals or anything like that, that guy made it, and it was part of his progression that allowed him to yeah. go on there. So we have to start kind of reevaluating what we're going to decide is a success, and also for those filmmakers who are being intimidated from making their stuff. Even if you make it with your friends, even if you do it at home, Connor, I know you started making a lot of shorts at home, mm-hmm. you know, your own way. Like you've got to don't be worrying about what that end product is going to be, who's going to see it, exactly. how successful will it be make the thing you, you know to learn from your mistakes like Absolutely. you need to keep on growing so I, I i completely agree and we should not judge anyone in our lives for that matter speaking of mistakes <laughs> I... connor you better remove me from the podcast <laughs> i watched the film last night oh it was a mistake it was called shakma oh. <laughs> shakma i was I was saw the watch the, tra- the trailer, you know. After talking about it, I haven't seen the trailer. What's it like? Like, the, I was watching Shaq McGon. This is the opposite of Jaws. It's like, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a monkey. Well, basically, it's the art. The, the story is terrible. The, yes. the lighting, the camera is horrible. The the actors are terrible. <laughs> but the monster. I'm not saying Jaws is a bad monster, but I know they had a lot of trouble with the monster. Yes. But the the Shaqma himself. <laughs> Is he pulls unreal. it out of the bag. <laughs> he's literally he chews up the scenery like in a good way. Oh yeah, he's is he real? Oh yeah, no, it's when a full-on baboon. There's no puppets. Baboon. This he's is a real baboon. Baboon, and he's absolutely. I don't know where they got him from. He's just like he's real. Like I'm actually scared of baboons. Oh no, they're pretty sad. They are very violent they creatures. Are, like they're yeah, pretty yeah, scary. Rafiki unbelievable. Will not, like, like when he comes to the door and like they run through a door and they slam it behind them. He runs up and first of all he's jumping at it trying to handle. It. Then he's literally smashing his face, his, his whole face into the door. So do you think someone? basically discovered this killer baboon and we're like right we gotta get That's this what guy it looks like. get this guy a three picture deal <laughs> just roll the camera on him we'll figure out the story in the edit he trashes like you see him going in and he's literally trashing the place like but it's you to see an animal go crazy like you know they are they're very strong and they're they're very aggressive yeah and the other thing I'll say for the film because I thought I was just gonna like like the last 45 minutes it's it's do you know certain films as well? I couldn't predict who he, he was gonna kill. Yes. I don't think they could on set. Yeah, no. 
but like when the when the I don't know if it's Shakma or a, or a or a puppet Shakma, but when he jumps on the people and he's biting them and it's the most violent. You know, it is. Yeah, there's one or two quite shocking bits where you're kind of going, "Oh, I, I did not expect that to go there." I need to, I need to watch. Where where do I find this? Shutter UK. Uh, you'll get it for there. You get like it you th- have to get past the setup of the film is terrible. Like like I, I don't well, even it, it, just it's mean... the crap that you would expect in those kind of films. No, like but it's all this stupid stuff. Like there's a lot of talk about the game. Yeah, there's this thing <laughs> called the game, and they're all in this building that's, that we just lost. That's that game. locked down. It's yeah. a, and it's like they've some computer. Yeah, gotta get past all this and just get to the shaft, man. You know, just go in forty-five when you, minutes. When you say the Shackma, are you ta- is the monkey actually the, called his sh- name is Shackma? Shackma. Like, like, like the way Jaws' name is Jaws. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Shackma is basically the Terminator, so the Shackma works. You know, <laughs> I love it. Um, I would have believed if that baboon had walked through a wall of fire. I would have believed it. I'm just wow. <laughs> he does and all his own stunts. I wouldn't say what happens in the end. No, don't. I want to watch it. I'm going to get the sugar thing. Um, I was yeah. actually talking to them during the week. Because I was trying to find out, can I get this for my PlayStation? And they were like, no, not yet. Not yet. No, but they Sorry, are. Sorry, but you can get it for your Apple TV or your iPad. And I was. It's worth checking out, and they're putting on new stuff and original things. Like there's, there's good. That's yeah. where I saw like the battery is on there as well. Um, having the chats with them. Like, yeah, Shackman's Revenge. No, they're good guys. You seem to really enjoy horror too. Um, where are but, they based? But they, but they, there was, it's, there was an American one and a Canadian one. I, I think there might be other ones as well. But so they only launched in England just so around Halloween last year. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, Ireland and England. Yeah. Uh, I, it's five year old month. Oh, you it's know, it's, I'm getting my dad. A, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Hi, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him uh, on your Saturday no. talk. <laughs> <laughs> so there's this movie called Shack. And here's how you can watch it, Dad. <laughs> Has anyone else got a recommendation of something maybe people might want to check out they might not have well, heard of? Uh, well, I was just going to say that I rewatched. Have you noticed my 90s look? I rewatched The Craft and it's oh, like yeah. gotten into my head. That's really on my list way. on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. how, how does it stand up? around your neck. Re- is that. I, I haven't inspired. I haven't taken these off since uh you since first saw it. these are originals. You can't see what I'm poking, but right now I'm uh, these are my chokers. <laughs> Your chokers, yeah, from like 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 the girl in the craft wears. <laughs> yeah, but these are originals from the nineties. I never took them off. I I I, I I lived through the non trend and the trend and they, started again. They, they expanded as you grew. <laughs> the, the, look, it's like my beard. I've, I've had this since the 90s. And now it's become trendy. <laughs> no, like I never took them off. Uh, look at any photo of me. The you will not see a brilliant. photo. So the craft. But the craft. <laughs> I freak, it stands up so well. Um, it's it's definitely a 90s movie. Like, like, but it 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 stands up so well. It's 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 not scary. It was never a horror movie. It was a witch movie, which sometimes can be hard. Yeah, I wasn't scared um, at all. No, but <laughs> but no, it does. It stands up really well. I was really impressed by how how I was still like, and there was moments that I had forgotten, and like mm. my 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 friend Joe was like trying to talk to me in the middle of it, and I was like, no, sh-. like I I got really really into it more so than I think I did maybe originally. Because it's a bit older. Yeah, I think there was a bit of a spate of witchcraft movies around that time. Like Practical, Practical Magic. Magic. <laughs> yeah, it, it hit the mainstream. Another uh, terrifying classic as well. Um, the, I, I, I quite liked Practical Magic. I'm not going to lie. Aiden Quinn. Here's a, here's a film I watched for the first time. Is it a horror film? The Elephant Man. Not a horror film, but a brilliant film. It's a fantastic. Brilliant film. It, uh, it's scary though at times, right? Well, yeah, it's devastating as it's, well. Yeah. I would say devastating more so than scary. I saw it for just, the first just time. The, this just week. The, I mean, well, everyone Without obviously spoiling everyone the ending. knows. Well, everyone hopefully will. I didn't know anything history. going into it. It's I didn't real. know. I honestly, did. yeah, I, I, I got that it was based on real events, but I 
didn't know like anything Merrick, about that's it. That's literally Merrick. It's it's like like what do you call it? Like medically recorded that he literally yeah. just like. I've seen the photo of him. There's a photo of his of his uh, skeleton. He has yeah, a cast of it. I think is yeah. there's, 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 yeah. there's his skull on on display. There was a really interesting documentary <clears throat> that I watched a couple of years ago um, with another sufferer of. Um, I don't know what the disease is called, called but um, he went to see Merrick's like skeleton and he wow. went to the hospital and it was like a really emotional documentary. Wow. Um, and he, he like, he doesn't have it as bad mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but he was like, I can completely understand why you'd literally just want to put your head down and just. That it, like, actually, uh, to slightly tie it back in like that, there's the interesting thing about that film as well though when you think that David Lynch before that had only made a razor head yeah so like great. over five years he'd made this demented fever dream type thing and then is Mel it Dino De Laurentiis or Mel Brooks yeah looked at him and thought I'm gonna give you a whole load more money and yeah. Anthony Hopkins to make this drama and you know you would not look at a razor head and think beautiful exactly. little that's drama. Right. like oh, yeah I don't yeah. know Mel, Br- Mel Brooks yeah Mel Brooks. yeah no I did yeah. I, I feel I feel that Elephant Man uh, kind of sticks out like a sore thumb in uh, David Lynch's uh, no. repertoire. Have you seen Why? the Straight Story? I, that's my favorite. It breaks what? my heart. I lo- I'm look, really looking forward Brilliant. to watching it. But I just think, in the sense that it, I feel that it's it's the mo- it's it's so different to all of his other films. Oh yeah, it's it proves that he can like... do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't mean yeah. it sticks out no. sort of in a bad way. I mean that it's yeah. just it probably sticks out like a, a, a nice thumb. I don't, th- <laughs> but I think if he if, <laughs> a manicure with yeah. that though, he, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he proved he could do straight up drama. Yes. And I think yeah. if he if he wasn't as brilliant at that, he couldn't do the kind of narratively fractured films like Mahan Drive and yeah. Last Highway. And I think that's a mistake. People you see kind of student people trying to do a Lynchian film, yeah. Yeah. and they presume I'll just make it real weird mm. and it'll be real good. No. That guy understands telling them. stories brilliantly, and then he knows yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I love Lynch. I was going to do Lynch, but I, 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 once again, I was like, Lynch is like his own baby. He's not really a horror. Yeah, Razorhead's a hard horror. watch as well, though. Of all the ones, like, I love, I love David Lynch's watch? films. Razorhead. It's, it's oh, a it tough is. watch. It, it is. It is hard. I, I love most of his films. Yeah. yeah. It is. But it is a great film. It's, it is, like you say, that's a really good way of putting it, a fever dream, because it is very kind of off. It, it makes you feel very off. When you it is it. like watching someone's nightmare. Like, yeah. it, man's fear of commitment and children really yeah. but, uh, and having your head erased my life <laughs> yeah. say, the only other thing I remember about the elephant man do you know the way there's all the steam coming up from the drains and there's all mm. that but that was he put that into designing the film because he said that's how he imagined you know the, the elephant man's head and just like he saw it as these sort of puffs of, puffs of steam and smoke and how it would have been born wow. but it's just a weird way his mind works David Lynch is yeah. the only man who can talk like that and I never think like pretentious twat I, no. think, yeah, 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 no. I just love hearing him talk that? like even in a razor he talks about the pile of dirt that's in the uh, drawer and he uses it also in Twin Peaks um, and he's like I just like piles of dirt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay David <laughs> I think it was like he was on David Letterman or one of these and he goes where did you come up with the idea for Lost Highway or it was one of these and he said oh I was sitting in my room and the window was open and a and wind the breeze blew in and, and then I got the idea <laughs> have you seen has everyone seen him on Louis on Louis C.K.'s TV show no, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 he's, he's so funny yeah, and, um, he's really funny he's, he's a funny, funny guy really <laughs> like but he actually is. recently someone said to him you know why do you make such strange and confusing films and he said well, because life is sometimes strange okay. and confusing. Yeah. Very well put. And we're all excited about the new Twin Peaks. We all are very hopeful because I, mean, I adore Twin Peaks and I love David Lynch. And it's just so many of these, like I was very disappointed by the X-Files revival. I don't know if I'm I the only one. But I, didn't, I didn't watch yeah. it. Yeah. But I like high hopes. 
But when I see but, the huge cast list and everything, you kind of go like, is this going to be tons of people squeezed in? Or what? I just hope I do agree. The know. cast list is like, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like, half of these have to be fake. And it's just like, covering yeah. up. Um, but because it is, it is Lynch and it is Twin When they play that music, think, even the, the little oh, teaser yeah, trailer, yeah, yeah. I my heart breaks <laughs> every time. Like I, I am just giddy. swaying my hands in the air, <laughs> just tears. Oh, literally. Tears. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm like, it, like fangirl and out like yeah. completely no, I think like, we're I all on that one yeah. I can't wait I, I really can't wait Connor anything good to watch? no that's it Any suggestions? Um, that's all I've watched <laughs> I need I need I need a suggestion for uh, someone someone tell me something. I'll give you a suggestion one film that I watched a while ago I think is worth checking out uh, Mia Farrow's See No Evil uh, not the one that was made with Kane the Wrestler uh, more recently I think it's kind of from the 70s sort of a thr- well, thriller horror um, but just it's a smaller film I picked up in Golden Discs back in the day for like four pounds um, literally four the pounds. whole picture she, she's blinded in an accident and so she's come back to stay at some someone's house the first time out of the hospital she doesn't know the house right? Uh, and she's left alone there and while she's outside in the garden someone comes in and murders everyone else and when she's walking around, she doesn't realize they're dead. But so it's just all her trying to feel her way around the house. And he's still in the house and he's watching her. Oh, and it's yeah. that whole fear of oh, like... That's where they got the hush idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's say, feeling yeah. like that, you know, because she's kind of aware and she thinks there might be someone there. Or there's moments where she almost touches like a dead body in a bath. It's a little bit like don't breathe as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But again, more on the, the which mechanic. I like is the more sort of tensiony side instead of the brutal violence yes, side. But yes. it's just, you know... I, I wouldn't say it's a perfect film. I think they are actually remaking it based on the success of uh, Don't Breathe and Hush. But if you can find it, check it out. Good film. Yeah, if I'm you can't, I'll bring it in for you next week. But definitely, it's it's an interesting one to watch. Got um, very quickly, I did watch one other film, uh, The Honeymoon. I don't know if anyone saw it. No, no. I think so. It stars, um, what's the actress from uh, Rose, from Game of Thrones? Uh, which which actress? Uh, the uh, jo- uh, jo- um, John Snow. John Snow. The, Kit the red-haired one. Kit Harrington. Egret. Egret. His girlfriend. I know the actress' name is Rose. Her first name is. Is Rose. it his mother? Oh, it's his girl. It's, it's his girlfriend. Oh, oh yeah, the, I, don't, I don't. The wildling. Wildling. Yeah, the wildling. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Egret. You know She's nothing. Awesome. John Snow. That's her. Yeah, yeah. Her name is you know nothing. The Lord kiss. <laughs> um. I, I, anyway, first half very good. Uh don't really want to give away the second half but it kind of fizzles out a little bit but, okay. it, but it's basically like I like the idea it's basically a couple on their honeymoon they're married but then he's kind of like what have I got myself into here who oh, have okay. I married yeah, which yeah. I think is an interesting idea yeah absolutely is that, is that on Netflix right now could be is this Because um, yeah I, I was looking at that recently and I was like oh will I watch it it's a female director she she directs some of the Scream TV series oh cool oh, so. deadly. actually we should have a chat about that someday as well yeah, yeah. I, I, TV series I, I, haven't, I haven't watched it we're checking out I I'm like I'm like yeah. really really bad with TV series me too well, they take a lot longer like, to catch commitment. up on as well it's, than a movie it's like it's you know well Game of Thrones is so, one there's thing there's so many TV series out nowadays yeah. that there's just not enough time in the world well I certainly have no to time to watch all of them oh so yeah so I, I would not be valid for that podcast <laughs> um, so what what are we going to do next week I think we'll talk so, about that off air. <laughs> oh, off air. Oh, what can okay. I, what would our um, so when when our episode comes out in the next week or so, uh, would like to hear if there's anything we missed out on, right? If there's any good gems. Of yeah, I think we need to set up either a Facebook page or yeah. Twitter thing or yeah, something yeah, for we'll people to actually. Yeah, I think we'll do both. So we'll we'll have that set up by the next podcast because we would love to get feedback and people's thoughts. Yeah, I want people to tell me what supernatural movies oh, to watch. <laughs> Oh, oh, and this is the awful thing. I have to give a shout out to Brian Fallon. 
because he loves listening hey, to our podcast. Hi, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Is Brian. Wait, is, is Brian the chap in Poland? He is indeed. Hi, how's the snow? <laughs> and a shout out to Steve Galvin. Stephen Galvin. <laughs> Stephen. You you may have censored me, but with good reason. <laughs> <laughs> and on that beautiful note, listeners, thank you all for listening. Yes, Ciao, bye. <laughs> Thank you.